0: Race fans, hot rodders, welcome to Talking Bullocks, with your host, Howard
1: Smith. And welcome back, it's me! Yes, we are back. Uh, we, it's just me, it is Howard H. Smith. Thank you, Ferris, for the intro. And um, it's good to be back. It's great to be back. It is the middle of summer. Um, I am recording this on Saturday 23rd of July. Um, it's been a hot week here, and it's a fucking sweatbox in my uh, in my flat, to be honest, because I've got all the doors and windows closed, so you don't get any uh, distractions in the background like birds tweeting, motorcycles starting up, people shouting. I can't shut up. Stuff like that. So, um, uh, hello, welcome, welcome to the podcast. If it's your first time, where have you been? If if you're a regular bollocker, it's good to have you back. Thank you very much for tuning in. Wherever you get your podcasts, remember you can try. You can whatever you do, you can stream these if you want, but it's a really good idea to download them via Wi-Fi. Please do that. If you've got a limited amount of data, you're just going to cane it. Just download the fuckers, okay? Get yourself a decent podcast app. However you consume these, um, and uh, you should be able to find us. You can also subscribe via iTunes, which is owned by the Apple cunts, as we all know, uh, shite tunes. Um, so yeah, um, uh, that's all that. That's all that bullshit. And let's do it. I've got to do it. Oh, I can't not do it. It's your host, Howard H. Smith. F- uh, uh, former and current uh vocalist with u k thrash band acid rain we can be found uh, on facebook acid rain thrash um on uh twitter at acid rain u k a c um on instagram acid rain u k a c uh, just everywhere and then of course you can also find me at talking bollocks at talking bollocks with a z on the end instead of an s um on twitter where all the fun happens it was quite a lot we, uh, we hang out a bit of a bit of um bit of a banter with The guys from the Metal Sucks podcast. So um, come find us on Twitter, on Facebook as well and obviously here you are I'm also um, a stand-up comedian I perform the character Keith Platt professional Yorkshireman um, website keithplatt.co.uk and also um, on Twitter at Keith Platt, um, on Facebook is Keith Platt, you know, so um, that's the stand-up, I also do stand-up as myself which I shall be doing tonight and I was going to say where and when but fucking pointless seeing as how this is coming out next week so by the time you hear this I will have done the gig, in fact by the time I've probably even uploaded this I'll have Done the gig. Um, so, anyway, um, welcome, welcome one, welcome all. We've got a cracking um, episode coming up. Uh, obviously, this is just starting. I don't know how long the episode is going to be, but I would have thought we'll probably be back to nearer the three hour mark. There's a song coming at the end, quite mainstream, so uh, there you go. Um, and uh, yeah, we've got a really cool um, podcast coming up. So, as always, it is time for the news. What has been happening in the world of metal? Um, Well, of course, since we last spoke, um, Download Festival has been. And um, uh, a couple of thoughts on that. Um, I was watching the highlights on Sky Arts. um, And it amazes me. They do it every year. They must have been doing it about four or five years now. And they manage to consistently broadcast all the bands you couldn't give a shit about. Um, So, for instance, interviews and performance (laughs) performance footage of Don Brocco. Anyone? Don Brocco, D-O-N. Yeah, first name. Brocco, uh, B-R-O-C-O. Okay? This is a band, apparently. Right? Um, I watched this shower of cunts, um, as I'd like to call them. Um, that's a bit unfair. I'm sure they're. I'm sure they're perfectly nice people. In fact, from the uh, the interview I saw, just a bit too nice. Do you know what I mean? It's like, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't want. I don't want my music. I was going to say metal, but it's far from that. I don't want my music delivered by people who are just fucking cheesy, grinning, sparkly teeth twats. Do you know, I, I, I really don't. I, I want. I want some attitude, and. I saw your main man. I think there's brothers in Don Brocco I've not, I haven't done my research. Frankly, I didn't want to. After what I saw, um, I mean, they make. What can I say? They make Muse sound like the fucking Black Dahlia murder. Seriously, I, I was going to say check them out, but fucking don't. Do yourselves a favour. Fucking oh God, horrendous. See, only one. I was, li- I was literally sat watching a telly, shouting at the television, going fuck off. What are you doing? It's like a couple of sixth formers had formed a band to get, you know, some girls. It was fucking horrible. Absolutely horrible. Everything about them. Too nice. Too nice. Interviewed. Oh, hello. Yes. Mm, yeah. It was just, oh, fucking hell. It was horrible. Even the guy's fucking haircut is too nice. Oh. It it really wound me up. And the, And it wouldn't be so bad, but this was, this... Hard on the heels, this was of my uh, my favorite uh, cunt of the moment, David draymond from Disturbed, and they decided to do the sound of silence, Oh, the sound of silence, and what did he do? Oh, he thought he'd add a little bit of a little bit of a little bit of show, hey, a little bit of uh, little bit of um, something di- oh, whatever I don't fucking know what I'm getting to the point of is he sat on a chair, yeah. ...delivered their cover version... ...of a sound of silence... ...yeah, the famous Garfunkel song... Simon, ...sorry, Simon and Garfunkel song... Um, ...sat on a chair... ...right, now... ...if you're old enough to remember Val Dunican... ...think Val... ...if you're not... ...I just want to get this straight... ...I'm watching highlights of Downard. ...so glad I didn't pay to go and, uh, and see it... ...right... ...I do not want my so-called metal icons sat on a fucking chair at any point of the fucking gig, right, unless it's A, a wheelchair, or B, it's a big fuck-off chair like Dave Grohl had and fair play Axl Rose, right, and you've broken your foot. If you are perfectly fucking able to stand up, stand up, you fucking cunt, that's the least I expect. Yeah, that's the least anyone should expect, especially the people who've gone there, to spend absolute fortunes, get drowned, slide around in mud all the fucking time, and there's Draymond, sat up there, the fat cunt, on a chair. On a fucking chair. Yeah, are you? if you want to sit down on a chair for a living, Dave, get a fucking office job. Right, you fat cunt. But as long as you're supposed to be out entertaining, stand on your podgy little fucking stumps, and just totter around stage like a slightly younger, less fucking mental Ozzy Osbourne and do your fucking thing, yeah? With those stupid metal things hanging out the front of your face, right? But if you want to sit down on the job, fuck off to an office. Jesus Christ. I, I, I Personally, I think, I, just, I think it's disrespectful. I really do. I think it's disrespectful to an audience to be that much of a dick, obviously, but to, oh, God. And as you can tell, I wasn't, too, I wasn't too impressed. It was funny, you know. I'm looking at my notes, and I was thinking, yeah, there's not really, there's not, not kind of, there's not really a, a lot, a, a lot of me ranting on there. It'll be, it'll be quite a, uh, be quite a rantless episode. And then just starting to talk about Draymond sat on his fucking stool, and Don sixth Form Band Gone Wrong, Brocco. You can tell in my voice there. It's just fucking really annoyed. i'm i'm obviously not aware of just how fucking angry i was about all of that um so what else has been happening um well kind of saddens me this and and i'm sure any listeners um in the us of a um or from the states um will probably be shouting at uh at their speakers or whatever after um after i decide to um to dip into this particular subject. But I, I had to do this, as you all know, I'm I'm a Slayer fan, um I you know, and, and I think Slayer is better than no Slayer, as you'll hear when DX uh, Ferris and I are talking. Um but I was really, really saddened to see Tom Araya's brainless fucking uh, outburst about guns between songs at a Slayer gig. Absolutely pathetic. It really, but uh, we we got We got a right to defend ourselves, right? We got We got a right to protect our family. We got it. Really, really. Um, has that actually ever fucking happened? Has it? Have you ever had an armed raider in your flat in your house? He's not got a flat, really, has he? Um, no. I'm betting you haven't. Okay, I'm really betting you haven't. And guess what? Do you know why us people in the UK don't need guns to defend ourselves? Because the criminals don't have guns, because guns are illegal. How fucking simple is that? If you don't understand the maths of no guns less dangerous than guns, you're a fucking retard. And, I'm, and, and to be honest if you're a real gun nut and you're listening to this I don't fucking care if you think well that's just about out of order what the fuck would you know I'll tell you what I'll know the stats the stats yeah gun deaths per capita gun deaths per uh, resident of a country the US you are world champions home of the free land of the school shooting because that's something else that you should be proud of you are the only country that suffers from mass shootings in schools. It's a US phenomenon. USA! USA! Number one! Number one! Yeah, absolutely. Number one with the bullets. Absolutely. And and this is not an anti-American thing. It really isn't. It's an anti-fucking-particular type of gun-owning dickhead thing. But also, I'm sick of that chant, USA, USA, number one. Can we just make one thing very clear, okay? Being a country is not a competition. And you are the only people who think it is. Yeah. So, for instance, you don't hear like, you don't, you, you, you don't hear like, I, I don't know, you know, people going, yeah, fucking hell, England, England, number three, number three. It's just, it's bollocks. But getting back to the gun thing, it's how a so called civilized society, because I'm afraid the ownership of guns and the amount of gun deaths in the USA pretty much means that it's an uncivilized country. Um, it's phenomenal constant accidental deaths i in um uh, i read a story the other day um son acc- accidentally shoots dad dad accidentally kills his son um school shootings you know a person accidentally kills himself while cleaning the gun now admittedly that is maybe a good thing because if you're cleaning a load if you're cleaning a loaded gun if you're cleaning a gun and you forget to unload it then if you kill yourself, you've probably done the world a favour and just made it a little bit lighter. But seriously, how fucking stupid do you have to be to not realise that no guns is safer than guns? It really is. And this fucking, it's, our, it's it's in our you know it, it's in our constitution, which was written at a time when you were a fucking frontier and people needed guns to protect themselves. Quite correctly, in the old Wild West. Well, as long as you continue, and have a an <clears throat> as long as you continue to think that owning guns in 2016. In, in, in the times that we live in, that everybody owning guns is a good idea. I, I cannot help you. I cannot help you. You are flying in the face of all of the, all of logic, of all of the facts. Look at every other country where guns are not legal, and look at the amount of gun deaths. Look at your country where guns are legal, look at the amount of gun deaths. It's fucking plain as fucking day. And that's enough for that shit, because we've kind of really gone way off topic here. That all started with Slayer. And, uh, and as I said, I, I, it, it, I mean, you can find the rant, um, and I might even pop up a clip. It's just, it, it, it just comes across as really ignorant. Just really fucking ignorant. Um, but, you know, there you go. Uh, it always surprises me, it really does. It, it But you know, I guess it shouldn't, but it does. So uh, anyway, what else are we going now? To... Oh, back to the uh, back to the Don... uh, back to the Donington download footage. Um I think I've found out why Yannick Gers is still in Iron Maiden. Um because obviously when they play live his guitar is turned down way, you know, well, let's hope so, way way down um under Dave Murray and Adrian Smith as it fucking should be. Um, but I think I figured it out. I figured it out because basically um, Yannick Gers it's really weird I've stood up and I'm, I'm miming this out I saw the footage of him he can get while he's playing he can get his left leg right up right up onto like the next level of the stage whilst right leg straight down standing on there But they get the left leg right up and, um, and when he thought I thought fucking hell oh, that's impressive and I thought wow finally I've realised what Yannick Gers brings to Iron Maiden the ability to have a guitarist who can get one leg really high up because I failed to fucking see what else the guy's bringing to the table apart from uh, well no actually no no apart from nothing that's it that, that's that's all I can think of just just the left leg right he he does like he does like getting his leg over I have to say he does like getting his leg over um so uh, so what else has been going on in and not just the world of metal either folks the world of music there was a very interesting um piece um that i read and i I, th- I mean i think it's bullshit but basically apple say that they are working um on technology that would prevent phones taking pictures or video of bands right so basically and and there was a little bit of a descri- a little bit of a description of the technology now let me make this really fucking clear it's a pr stunt there's absolutely no way that is ever going to happen. And even if it did, they, they, there would be a disable feature. For a start, OK, check this out. Um, if you've got some kids, as a good friend of mine has. <laughs> right, OK, there's more to this. I've got a lot of friends who've got kids. Um, but a good friend of mine got kids. He, uh, his, his kids are in a band. He wants to uh, make a video of them. And he can't. He can't capture this beautiful moment because on his iPhone... Well, he's not a cunt, so he doesn't have an iPhone. But let's say he did, right? Um, Yeah. He wouldn't be able to, would he? Because of that technology. So, uh, simple as this. It's not going to happen. What it is, is Apple trying to get some PR about, oh, you know, people keep... There's a real gathering of, of, of fuckheads just getting their phones out all the time and watching gigs through phones. And they've picked up on how unpopular that is. And rather than... Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, they're they're at the heart of the blame for this. So what they've tried to do is go, oh yeah, you know, that's it's it, yeah, we, we really recommend that people don't. And oh yeah, we're going to work on this technology. I bet I will bet you any money you like that we will never ever ever hear of that technology again. And so we certainly won't see it because it's absolute bullshit. All it is is a PR stunt by those cunts at Apple. Um, so I'm glad we were able to have this song, uh, song this uh, this chat. And what else? Um, just looking at my notes, Mister Prepared. Um, yeah, something else I want to get on um, uh, get get onto in a bit. Um, yeah, that Apple Tech is just fucking bollocks, isn't it? Um, yeah. Well, I, I, <laughs> uh, this this saddens me a bit as well um, because I'm I'm actually I'm actually a bit of a fan of um, uh, Bring Me the Horizon. But um, though there, there, there really was a kind of a, a really dickish exchange between them and uh, and Bad Religion. Um, they're on the same festival, and um, apparently, and this seems this seems to be on the rise. And this is bands having a poster of them put up backstage, and it's saying like, "Do not stop these people under any circumstances." They're allowed to, you know, they're allowed to be accompanied by who they like. And basically, what this is, there's another band who did this as well, and I can't remember who it is. Um, but basically, what it is, it's it's fucking it's bands refusing to wear accreditation. But basically, they're poor little sensitive egos, or they're you know they're they're very sensitive people, and they've they've got sick of security stopping them and asking them who they are and stuff like that. And it's like, well, don't you know who I am? I'm fucking the headliner. Who the fuck are you? You know, and 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 so they've got tired of this. So now there's this thing where, um, bring me the horizon, and like I said, a, a couple of other bands, I can't remember who. Um have started to do this and it's absolute fucking bullshit it really is who the fuck do you think you are well they quite clearly think they're the headlining band you are but that doesn't make you better than anyone else that doesn't mean that you should not you don't have to wear accreditation for a start if you're a festival there'll be, there'll be local crew there'll be local people what they're all supposed to like they're all supposed to know instantly who you are and in the current climate of terrorist attacks at public events at any time the absolute fucking head smashing ignorance to, to to go down that route it's a fucking disgrace now I've mentioned Ollie Sykes on here before and the fact that um, who's the lead singer with uh, Bring Me The Horizon the fact that um I like him I like I like the cut of his jib but this is fucking bullshit and one, of ba- and one of bad religion actually went, yeah, this is fucking bullshit. And he took a picture of the poster and he put it on Instagram and said, I'm going to stop these guys every time I see them and ask them who they are, which I thought was very funny. And, and to be fair, th- and what, what followed, their response was just fucking classless. It really was. Basically, their response was, you're old and we're young. You know, and that was it. You know, oh, what, what are you, what are you, um, what you ranting at, uh, at us for? Your real enemy is the cold, which, which, okay, it was kind of funny, but also it was just, it was just classless. It was really kind of like, really, guys, really. It's the kind of thing that they will look back on when they're a little bit older and go, yeah, we were, we were dicks about that. I mean, be dicks, being dicks to start with with these fucking posters. It, that 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 is being a dick, but then to respond like that, I I just thought was really fucking low. I really did, and this is a fucking trend that that needs to stop. You know, if you're in a band, doesn't matter where you are on the bill, you wear your accreditation. That's it, okay? I mean, Acid Rain we're headlining we're headlining the Sophie stage at um, at Bloodstock. Really, Howard? You never mentioned that before. You fucking cunt. Um... Uh, yeah, and, and we're, <laughs> obviously we're not gonna we're not gonna say these people should not be because do you know what that would be fucking ludicrous. That would be stupid, and obviously we're nowhere near the size of um Bring Me the Horizon. But I just think it's an I think it's a classic case of people getting too big for their boots. I really do, and that's the You know, climb the fuck down, reel your neck in, yeah, and fucking just remember you're a normal human being like everybody else. You're just in a band. That's all. It's just a job. You're not saving lives, you're not going to other planets, you're not discovering cures for diseases, Yeah, you're entertaining the world, not saving it, so just pipe down, check your ego and sort yourselves out, you're fucking out of order, right, anyway. That's enough um that's enough wank from me for now. Um it's time to get an interview in. So um why don't we start with the interview I conducted last night? Um with friend of the show D- uh, friend of the show and Slayer expert DX Ferris. He's written two books on uh, on Slayer. Um uh, we we'll, we're going to talk about them, but the, the, the one of the big focuses of the um of the interview is his, um, his online comic which is um Suburban Metal Dad. Uh, SMD, not suck my dick, suburban metal dad, and um, uh, and it, like he mailed me about it. I've I've had a read. It's very funny. It's really cool. He um, does two a week, which is a phenomenal output. Um, and uh, yeah, it's really worth checking out. You'll hear all of the um, you'll hear, hear all of the places you can get it and everything else. So um, so have a listen. Uh, this is me and Ferris having a chat last night.
0: Okay, I got you. Are you there? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Excellent. Can you, can you hear me? Yes. Marvelous. We're laughing. This is great. This was. This is technology at work.
0: <laughs> hey, you know, I, uh, I. This is scientifically documented phenomenon. I'm not making this up. Um, I have. I project this fourth dimensional bubble that somehow short circuits all technology I come in touch with, and it is extremely powerful. This week. Ah uh, uh, so if anything happens it is my fault it's very likely to happen it's you're, not you're, your fault
1: you're, you're, you're one of those are you 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 getting you're getting strangely spiritual on me at early doors here um, <laughs> th- th- this, is, this is quite worrying you're not going to try and convert mm-hmm. me are you
0: no it's, it's, it really it happens like everything i do this week is like like i don't know if it's technology it doesn't work so it's a miracle we got this far this fast
1: Right. Okay. Well, I, look, I'm. I'm. It's a pleasure to be in your company as always, um, and uh, I, welcome back. You know, this is. Hey, um,
0: are we on the air already?
1: Oh, of course. You know me. I forgot you
0: do it that way. Yeah, hey, yeah, 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 yeah. You for, Cool you... DX Ferris here with my awesome radio voice.
1: That's absolutely here with all the hottest
0: hits in Slayer news.
1: <laughs> well, this month's podcast. What am I talking about? I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I'm not nearly organized enough to be doing a weekly podcast.
0: Why well, you got things to do? You
1: well, and to haven't do. haven't we all? Haven't we all? And um, and funnily enough, you know, you said right at the top there, all things Slayer. Um, it's, that's, that is a, that's a good place to start because since last time we spoke, the uh, the first Hanumanless Slayer album has come out, and um, you were you were poached by my uh, my podcasting rivals and friends um, uh, Chuck and Godless for the Metal Sucks podcast.
0: Good guys, good show.
1: Uh, yeah, good. Good guys, good show. Couldn't agree with you more. Not as good as this one, but you know, they. Uh, well, you got to
0: start somewhere. <laughs> well, as, no. as my work shows.
1: Look, look their, their dedication is 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 marvelous. The fact that it's a weekly podcast, and that, you know, and some of the guests they got on are just really stellar.
0: Um, Doing that shit is no joke, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, you you get yours out, you get yours done. You know, that's my my entire approach, aesthetic. Ah. Uh, to life, uh, that's that's my key. I'd rather, uh, I want something that is done and exists instead of sitting around and going, you know, it could be perfect, but then we'd have to do this and we'd have to do that. and We'd have to do this and.
1: Well, the diff- the difference is ultimately, anyone can have a good idea. That's why you can't copyright an idea. You actually have to get off your ass and turn that idea into an action before it's worth anything. Yeah. So you know, that's well, what I mean
0: you produce, you know, you don't do it every week, but the show comes out.
1: The the show does come out eventually, you know. <laughs> I, I uh I squeeze it out eventually like a like a a monthly metal log it um it it it, it appears. And, it, and you know, things things. <laughs> you have been drop going... a monthly metal log. <laughs> yeah, I I yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um... So anyway look we uh, yeah Slayer um uh, repentless uh, thoughts please you know at the, at the time i was not
0: excited before it but having listened to it a few times on that podcast that we mentioned which is an excellent podcast if you don't know what he's talking about oh, when they do. the last slayer album or the most recent slayer album came out what the guys at the metal sucks podcast did was they had the very good idea to have not just one, not just two, but a bunch of different metal people uh, review it, high-profile people like Ian Christie, uh, Joel McIver. they eminent metal writer you yeah. know all kinds of people with slayer cred uh was was albert from uh decibel was I, he part of all, that?
1: all i remember is that um basically it rest like it, it just read like a list of guests i'd already had that they that, you know that they nicked off me but you know so it's, it's all good you're, <laughs> you're all allowed to um you know you're all allowed to haul yourselves out to whatever podcast you like that's not a problem
0: pioneers who got scalped it's uh, yeah. a metaphor we use here in america
1: right okay
0: But they had a bunch of different people weigh in on the Slayer album. So uh, if you like Slayer and if you're curious, uh, you know, what the critical consensus was, that was a really interesting early look at it. My takeaway from it was that I liked it. And I said at the time I thought it was the best of the non-great Slayer records. Yeah. And what I mean by that is that it was maybe the best, you know, not great. You know, we're not talking South of Heaven, Seasons in the Abyss, Hell Awaits. Rain and Blood, but out of the kind of second or third tier of Slayer albums that are sort of there, yeah, that was yeah. maybe the best one. It was respectable. I've since, and I say this in the podcast, you know, I mean, without getting too far off base, I started writing about music and being a critic because I decided that I could do the job if I had the opportunity. I decided I could do the job just as badly as the professionals. Yeah. And what I my point here is that, you know, I always used to listen to reviews of, you know, albums, whatever CDs. And I think, what the fuck are these people thinking? This is ridiculous. Yeah, uh, because critics get a new album and they get excited and they're like, oh, my God, it's so awesome. Well, you've had it for two days. How how much can you really digest yeah. it? How much can you process?
1: Absolutely. It? You have yeah. for everybody. Yeah. So
0: you have the new Slayer record before anybody else does, and you are excited. So that kind of infects your thinking and how you write about it. Yeah. You know, and that happens to me. That happens to everybody. So I was excited at the time, but I said this on the podcast. I said, this is my initial impression. I think it's the best of the non-great Slayer albums. I've since revised that a little bit. I'll stand by that. I think it's competitive. I think ultimately, God Hates Us All is... Now, a more interesting record. Now, I didn't yeah. like that record for a long
1: time. Oh, now Oh, You see, now you're talking because it's funny. It's, it's, we're on the same wavelength here because I've been sat here for the last few minutes since you first started talking about Repentless, wanting to bring up God Hates Us All, which I would say is the best of the non-Great Slayer records. You're correct. Thank you very much. What do I win? <laughs> That's why I'm here, because you're right. <laughs> you're right. But, but what do I win, though?
0: You win. Um, Your respect will, and admiration. A
1: oh, a hug. Oh, a. a, a um...
0: Send you a free electronic copy of the book.
1: I think I already have one.
0: Uh you're you're also eligible for um, DAP and props.
1: Oh right, okay. Well, I'm I'm. If only I knew what they were, then I would. Um, you know, I'd be up for that.
0: Uh soul clap. Uh what do you call it in England? Giving five.
1: Oh right. Oh that high five. Yes, high five. High five, brother! <laughs> In one
0: favor to be determined, I will owe
1: you one. If somebody okay.
0: offers you money or a favor, Howard, take yeah. the
1: favor. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I've I've seen the Godfather. I'll take the favor.
0: <laughs> uh. So, so
1: you rank them like that?
0: You yeah, rank, yeah. God no, uh, yeah. uh, hates number one. Not number one, but number one of the third or second or fourth tier, whatever.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah, God hates us All is the first of the of the second tier in my opinion. I mean I I I do think it's a very very good, very strong um album um and I, yeah, I mean you know Payback for me is a bit of a is a bit of a Slayer classic. Um and I also think that um the 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 first Boston era has has had a bit of a kicking from none other than our friend Dave Lombardo, who's kind of really not made any effort to learn any of that stuff because he felt that um, he felt the boss boss was too busy and basically, I mean, let's face it, they're, they're they're vastly different drummers. Well, you know, as as I've I've noted, I think I, I noted in the, uh, the,
0: the second Slayer book. Bostoff early in his career played a lot more like Lombardo, that kind of uh wild, free, crazy. And then when he actually got the guys gig, I th- think by that point he was much more of a mechanical, and I don't mean that in a bad way. No, not at all. More of a uh, a robotic kind of drummer who was much more technical and a lot less freeform and wild.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and and I I just think that um uh, you know, I don't know. There's, uh, over the years, I think um, I think Lombardo has has, has been pretty. He, he has said some disre- disrespectful things to Bostov, just for instance, never calling him by name and always referring him to as the other guy and all the rest of it. And I think Bostov has really come out of that very well. He's always maintained the moral high ground, and you know, and he's he's always yeah. Well, I mean, always... you don't become
0: the drummer of Slayer because you are kind of okay.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and and I just think that you know it, it, he's. Like I said, his he, he, those those years have been given a bit a bit of uh, well, those songs just haven't been given an airing, and I think you know, I think if anybody's to go and watch War at the Warfield, that is, you know, that is that uh, era of Slayer with with Bostaff. I as it's absolute fucking peak. They were phenomenal on that tour.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, and and that was touring. God hates us all. And um, but. Um, yeah, I mean, look. So going back to Repentless, um, yeah, I, I was really, really ple- pleasantly surprised, and um, and I think it, you know, I, I like yours. I think it's it's up there, you know, it, it's up there, and it's not an embarrassment. Oh fuck no, and it's this, far from this that. is this is interesting. I thought they don't really
0: have any songwriting credits in it. Like they don't say Carrie wrote this and Tom wrote that and he wrote that and he wrote that. It's just the fucking Slayer album. And I I guess like the the message on that or the implication is like, this is Slayer. Take it or leave it. We did it. Do you like it? Do you not? Don't blame Carrie. Don't blame Tom. Yeah. Yeah. Is it still Slayer? Yeah, I'd say it's still Slayer.
1: Well, look, I'm, I'm firmly in the camp, as I'm sure we talked about before. I'm firmly in the camp of Slayer is better than no Slayer. So, yeah. you know, I mean, look, you're talking you're talking to a guy who is the only original member of uh, of Acid Rain. So, I've kind of got a st- I've kind of got some skin in this fight. Um but, uh, yeah, but I mean, like,
0: what are you going to do? I mean, I even say that way in the book. I mean, what's Carrie King going to do? Is yeah, he going to retire and buy a Subway franchise or start a new band or produce bands?
1: Well, what, what pisses me off is when you get people pontificating, fans saying, oh, surely they've got enough money by now, they should just quit. And it's like... How do you really think these guys are multimillionaires? Do you really think that they can just quit and and provide for their families for the rest of their lives? It's, yeah, it's, and yeah,
0: and something. I mean, back in two thousand eight, when the American economy tanked, a lot of entertainers that thought they were set for life and thought they had their retirement money. Found himself in a position where they suddenly did not. You know that, however, couple million that you had was suddenly worth a whole lot less.
1: Well, you know, well that, you know, that's why Nicolas Cage makes so many fucking shit films. Because, he, <laughs> he, but it, that, that's yeah. true. It's true. It's the. It's the. It's the. It's called the Nicolas Cage effect. You know, he makes. He makes about like he says twenty five percent of the movies he makes are for him, and seventy five percent are for the IRS. Because, yeah, because I mean, it, he's
0: in some baffling ones, I and mean, if you look at him, like, yeah, okay, you know, if you've got a couple million to, to spend on him, yeah, he'll show
1: up. Yeah, because in 2008, he lost uh, he lost pretty much all his money, and he owes a shitload of money to the IRS because he, he had money and he could have paid, but then he didn't have money. So, um, so yeah, that's uh, – uh, we've slightly, you know, gone off track here, but, yeah, that's – you know – that, that's, yes, yeah, that's but they need to him.
0: work, you know. I mean, yeah. that's something I, I try to, you know, so many music fans and you know, even critics. I mean, I don't get me started on music critics and music writers because uh, I don't think much of them. Uh, you know, they don't approach it as work. You know, they always approach it as this, well, they should, 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 yeah. should, should, should. You know, it's like you know, watching uh, football games and saying, well, he should do this. Well, there's no should to it. You yeah. know, if you had a job, what would you do? Yeah, I um, imagine if I always thought it would be funny to write like a funny medical or medical uh funny heavy metal article that has a bunch of lead singers bitching about, like, online, posting comments about an article about some guy and how he spent the weekend.
2: Oh, uh, You know, having yeah.
0: guys like Phil Anselmo and Tom Mariah going, man, I remember when this guy was 18, he yeah. used to party and yeah. fuck like, four chicks a weekend, and now he's sitting around fucking Olive Garden and shit. He
2: yeah. should quit.
1: Yeah, no, do you know what? I, I, was, uh, I was involved with a, a, a writing team, a comedy writing team, and we wrote a whole sketch for a... Um, uh, a TV show, which was basically it, it, it was people. It was basically people watching sport and criticising like, oh, look at Rooney. Look at him. He's, you know, he's, he's, he's clearly unfit. Look, he's put on a few pounds <laughs> and they're sat there like reaching in for another handful of corn chips and going to the fridge for another beer and and just you know the obviously the 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 irony of it all and it and it is i i mean it winds me up when people say like oh they should do this and they should do this. it's like fuck you it's their band not yours they can do what the fuck they like
0: yeah i mean there's no there's no should in life you're gonna do what you're gonna do and you're gonna choose from what your immediate options are and you're gonna do that
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: Absolutely, and you know if, if I'm Dave Lombardo, maybe I'm going to do what Dave Lombardo did. I like to think not, but uh, yeah, you know if yeah. I'm Carrie King, I'm going to do what Carrie does. I'm going to, if I'm Jeff, I'm going to do what Jeff does. You know. Well, well,
1: yeah. Let's hope you don't do what Jeff does. You know, um, <laughs> but um, well, look, this this brings us neatly onto um, uh, the 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 subject of SMD, which, um, in case you're listening, does is is not um, an acronym for suck my dick. Um it, it is <laughs> Oh I fact, never thought of that. Really? You mean you've never you've never heard the nineteen eighty nine Pete Steele carnivore album called Retaliation, of which there is a song on there called SMD and the chorus is suck my dick <laughs> I've never made that connection. Oh my god. No. <laughs> well uh, well I, I am here if nothing else to drag. You heard everything. it here
0: first. Pete yep. stole or Pete Steele stole my shit.
1: Yeah, yeah, from Retro- the grave. <laughs> um so, yeah, Suburban Metal Dad, which is a, for, for listeners who don't know, um, uh, Ferris has put together a, um, uh, a cartoon. Well, like, would you call it a cartoon? Well, it's,
0: it's an ongoing comic strip. It's a comic strip that I've been writing on the web. Technically, it's a web comic, if you want to call it that.
1: It's but certainly it's, not it's a graphic a- novel. No, I, I hate the term graphic. novel. Although, it, yeah, it's exactly. It's like, oh, it's a graphic novel. Shut the fuck it's up. A nerd. It's a graphic. Sh- it's a fucking comic. Book. Yeah, absolutely. Shut up, nerd. It's a fucking comic. Own it. Well, you no, know,
0: you have to recognize that it's a sequential art, and this <laughs> yeah. makes me feel like
1: I'm not foolish for reading yeah. what I know fucking well as a fucking comic book. Yeah. Oh, but you've, not, you've got to understand the universe. What when you say universe, do you mean more than one comic? You know, fuck off. It, it's all. It's it's all it is what it is, but um no it actually I've got um I, I did download the um the link you sent me to Dropbox. Um so I downloaded the whole thing. Thank um you. I have not yeah, that's all right yeah. Rule uh, one. Yeah, that's right, exactly. I'm I'm the fan in the UK. Um <laughs> and um and uh, I I like it. In fact, are you aware of a UK comic called um the Modern Parishers? No, Modern Toss. No, Oh, I'm going to send you some writing links. Writing that
0: down, Modern Toss.
1: Yes. Uh it's so British. You will you it'll have you crying with laughter. In British fact... is
0: good. British is good. For the record, uh you know if you didn't hear me last time. I grew up I remember. Up, um, I remember. Grew up my dad was into Monty Python, so that's a big part of me. Young ones uh lived in England for a year in like 1979-1980. Yeah. So I got a little bit of British cred.
1: No, no, I, I no, I remember I remember, mate, because if I remember, I was hoping that one of our listeners was gonna find that um find the rest of that T V series that you saw. The Boy from Space. The, Nobody yeah. did, by
0: the way. So really? if you're out there Oh
1: well excuse you know. me, Ferris, excuse me. Oi, you Cunts. Sort him out with the end of that TV series, for fuck's sake. There's no point in having well, listeners if you don't I'm get sure, off I'm sure everybody
0: heard it and they thought, well, everybody's going to call in. There's going to be a thousand people <laughs> calling <laughs> to say, hey, this is how the boy from space ends. No, ser- no ser- seriously. Everybody referred I- to everybody else, so no. you could be the one.
1: No, seriously, I'm really pissed off with both my listeners now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... um uh, uh yeah so so we yeah so anyway yeah modern well, yeah, it's, Toss. it's a comic yeah, yeah. strip
0: uh you got to tell me about modern toss once I shut up
1: no uh, it's no, a no, comic
0: no. strip I've been drawing it for a few years despite being completely unqualified to do it it's just something I wanted to do and it's something
1: that I did that's why modern toss that's why you'll appreciate modern toss because it's it's fucking ter- terrible but it's hilarious really? it's, oh, yeah. so is
0: mine you know my uh, my <laughs> book is I I promote it as a terrible web comic. But now it's available in book form.
1: But I've but I, love... I've, I've
0: been publishing it on the web, but I think it works best as a book. So now it's like you've heard all the singles, but here's the album.
1: Well, I, I love I love all your stuff at the beginning about like, oh, you know, why is the drawing so shitty? And it's just like, yeah, fuck you. Go and do your own make your own comic. You know, <laughs> I just I I love I love that because that is very much kind of like, you know, the talking bollocks philosophy, which is, well, you know, if, if you don't like the podcast, if you don't like my opinions, if you don't like then go and make your own fucking podcast and, you know, and, and have your opinions, but you know, that's, this is mine. So these are mine. And, and your, your, your comic really kind of, I I love that sort of like, Oh, you know, just shut up and fucking like it or piss off.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was having dinner with a friend last night and I, I made it official as of today. Uh, I'm forming a league of people who do stuff. Yeah, cool. go. Be like our supervillain collective, and you're in, you're in. I yeah. just voted, and you're in.
1: Brilliant, like brilliant. Like
0: I was saying, it's better to have something that is done and that exists instead of. I mean, when you go to make a record, do you listen to Master of Puppets and say, "Well, it's got to be that good." Uh, and yeah. If it's not, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you got to try. But at a certain point, you got to let go of the fucking thing and stop thinking it and rethinking it. And I I think that what a lot of people that want to be creative do is they sit and think, oh, it would have to be perfect or, oh, it wouldn't come out right or, oh, I would do it, but okay." And now you don't have anything. You know, my, my comic strip is shitty, but it exists. The book is maybe shitty looking, but it exists. You can buy it.
1: But it's, the thing is, it's, it's also, um, it's, it, the, the thing is, that what stops people is A, fear of failure, and also B, um, self-censoring, which is the worst thing you can do. Um, uh, not that I would know, I wouldn't know how to, but, um, it, you know, it, it's like, it's like it, well, it, for instance, when, when writing, if you're writing a script or whatever you're writing, you know, put everything in and you can take stuff out.
0: Yeah. You know, what if it's not good? Well, just get something
1: down and make it better. And you don't have to show it to anybody until it is good. Exactly. look, you can write something that's shit, okay? And and you can and even if you edit it it might not be any good, but it'll be better than shit. Yeah. You know, that's that that, that, that that's our motto right there. <laughs> <laughs> SMD, SMD and talking bollocks. Better than shit. Yeah,
0: I mean this for me, I mean
1: I would like to do
0: some bigger things one day. This is kind of an ongoing demo process for me. You know, by doing this, it kind of, by drawing a shitty little webcomic that makes me commit to doing something creative a couple times a week. So, you know, it's like I want to be a powerlifter one day, but right now I'm just doing a bunch of little push ups to get that way.
1: So, where, and and where can I'm people get. I'm bigger than I was
0: six years ago.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and where can people get um, um, Suburban Metal Dad from?
0: uh amazon if you uh, want to buy the book it's available at amazon.uk and us and worldwide it's there uh, you can check it out for free on the web suburban dot we'll get you
1: there uh, and and i mean it's kind of like is it is it just is it a, a kind of it's a I'm, i mean i'm it, the way it reads to me is it is a it's it's a vehicle for you to get a few things off your chest Yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's, you know, I I do
0: different things with it, which is part of the freedom of it. You know, I'm not buying into, well, you know, a lot of people that do comic strips fall into, or a lot of people that do anything creative really fall into like what it's supposed to be and what the form is and what the alleged rules are. So people that write metal songs go, well, you have to have the solo here and your proper thrash song has this and that's too much of a punk influence. So we can't do that. And people that write books go, oh, well, we have to introduce the characters here and we have to have this kind of convention there. And everybody knows the five-act structure, structure is mandatory. And people that write comic strips go, well, you have to establish the cast and here's the four elements of any successful comic strip.
2: <laughs> I, don't,
0: I don't do that shit. You know, sometimes yeah. I have recurring characters. Sometimes I have storylines. Sometimes it's kind of like, did Chappelle show make it as far as the uh the uk do you know what Chappelle's show is um i do Dave but I, well
1: i do but uh I, I mean not wanting to speak for my listeners but doing so anyway i think you know some will but some won't but very very few it's not a it's not a thing over here i know it was it was very much kind of brown groundbreaking tv okay. show in the states but not really here now
0: yeah, in in America, there's a show called Chappelle's Show that is, is, I mean, it's very much an American sensibility. I don't know how it translates. I guess it has not. But in America, this particular show was rightfully regarded as one of the iconic, groundbreaking comic shows of all time. And the reason that I mentioned that is that the creator's approach for that was almost to look into the creator's notebook to get back to the point of what you were asking about. So sometimes it could be one kind of thing, sometimes it would be another, sometimes skits, sometimes recurring characters, sometimes random bullshit. And that is what I've realized I have the freedom to do with yeah. this. You know, sometimes yeah. if I want to make like a funny like road sign, I can do that. Uh, sometimes if I want to make a sign about not shitting in the bathroom the wrong way, I can do that. You know, sometimes I can do uh, a heartfelt thing about uh, having a daughter. Yeah, Sometimes I can have somebody at work telling his boss to fuck off. But if you're not playing, my my whole point is that if you're not playing by these imaginary rules, you can create.
1: You yeah, can absolutely.
0: Make anything you want.
1: Yeah. Well, I I mean, look, you know, I I don't think, I think whatever you're creating, whether it's music, poetry, movies, cartoons, podcasts, whatever. Um, yeah. No. No. Well, you know, I mean, I, again, I'm I hate to keep bringing it back to this podcast, but this is, you know the the whole point of my kind of ragtag very unedited approach is that that's that's the way that I can only think of it as I mean it's part lazy <laughs> um but it's also part that's what I want to hear I want you know I, I I I'm sick and tired of listening to everything that's you know just Produced, and people apologizing for actually expressing opinion the two minutes after they've expressed it, you know, and it's like yeah like... yeah
0: i I find that so offensive when I listen to podcasts, and it sounds like the radio
1: like yeah absolutely to listen yeah. to radio yeah, absolutely, and I mean I
0: listen to radio, and here you are with this freedom where you can do anything you want, and somebody told you that you need to have a bumper at this the start and reintroduce and remind the listener who the the guest is. Like you're doing a two-hour interview. We know who the guest is, or
2: we yeah. don't. Yeah,
0: You You don't have to stop at moment thirty-seven of hour two and say, "Hey, you're talking to Howard Smith here." And
2: yeah,
1: exactly.
0: He's DX Ferris, author uh, of "Suburban Metal Dad."
1: And and you don't. You know, you don't need to. You don't need to censor yourself. You don't need to warn people about explicit content and all the rest of it. I mean, I, you know, I've, I've I've always said that ultimately. Um, I do what I like with this. And, and if people get offended, it's like, well, fucking sue me, sue me for all the money I don't have, you know? Yeah. Fuck off. It's not for you.
0: You don't have to like it. I mean, that's, I don't know how prevalent that, uh, that mentality is in England right now, but in America, there's this, it seems like it's taken root everywhere. The idea that everything has to be for everybody and everything has to be for your liking.
2: Well, you, and if, if you, you don 't yeah. like
0: it well you 'll watch it and watch six hours of it and spend twelve hours complaining about it we well, 've just, like just if you don 't yeah. like the show maybe don 't watch a twenty six hour long episode season of it we' well, just
1: go find something else you 've absolutely hit the nail on the head when you started talking there, I was thinking, yeah, everything has to be for everyone and, that, and that's a that 's a problem that we 're getting with movies as well with everything screen tested to death and because of the influence of um uh of downloading and streaming um movies na- now need to you know we're they're desperately trying to recoup on everything yeah. and um oh no, we can't have a bad guy that seems like people don't like him
2: like
0: he's the bad guy that's the whole point yeah uh, we're so obsessed with the idea of making stuff that theoretically everybody will like we make stuff that in fact nobody likes yeah You know, and i think I think when you're making art, and I don't know if I'm an artist, I wouldn't consider myself one. I'm certainly not very good at it regardless. But I think when you're making something, the best thing you can do is give people something to react to. You know, I mean, if you look at self-published books, they all have this kind of pseudo-professional look to the cover art. And, you know, everything is informed by what you think you're supposed to be doing. So it's, just professional enough to be bland and boring like yeah. that's not what people want you know give people something to react to or disagree with or at least go ah that's different
1: yeah yeah that's that. what i think no absolutely absolutely and um and know. say
0: what you will about your podcast i'm a fan i don't have any complaints about it but if people <laughs> don't like it you know at least it's it doesn't sound like some shitty radio show
1: yeah, absolutely. And I I just think I I also think there's a um I think like I said I just think there's 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 a there's a lack of um people actually g- giving a fucking opinion and and not apologizing for it. I mean, uh, you know, like I said, every fucking every day of every week on Blabbermouth or Metal Injection or whatever metal website you look at, and it's not just metal, it's everywhere, but you see somebody make you see somebody make a statement and then there's fallout from that statement and then they apologize. And it's like, well, hang on, hang on. You either fucking meant it or you didn't. And if you're apologizing for offending people, well, you shouldn't be apologizing for that. Because if yeah, you and, still and people believe... People need if, you to know, realize
0: that everything is just somebody's opinion. It doesn't well, matter who they are. Like everything said by anybody is just some opinion. It well, yeah, absolutely doesn't
1: absolutely well, absolutely. matter well, absolutely. that everybody is equally full of shit. Well, the thing is, ultimately, you know, if somebody has a if somebody has a problem with anything that, uh, that I say, then, I, well, not that, not that I, you know, I, not that I would ever meet meet the pages of any anything um, remotely professional or important. But ultimately, I will stand by whatever I've said. I will stand by whatever opinion it is or whatever it is, because ultimately um, you have the right to be offended. That's the end of it. I'm not apologising. Fuck that. But but you know you're offended. Well, you're offended. That's your right. Yeah. Good for you. That that is your fucking right. Because as as a comedian, I'm always hearing about people say like, oh, you know, do you do offensive material? And said, look, it I is. It, well, no, it's impossible to write offensive material because you can only take a friend. You can only take offence. So I it's impossible for me to write offensive material because I don't know what each individual in the audience is going to find offensive. You can only take offense. So, you know, it's ultimately if you try and censor yourself and dilute whatever it is you're trying to say for fear of offending people, you're still going to offend people. So fuck it. Why bother?
0: Yeah, I mean, you could do a corporate gig and say something about the wrong kind of photocopier brand. Who here uses Canon copiers? <laughs> I didn't like what you said about Canon copiers, you know. In my experience, they're very reliable hardware, and I think you should apologize.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, uh, Fuck look, off. I, how about that? Ultimately, it, you know, uh, people will always will always be able to find an angle if they're going to get get upset by something then, you know, fucking let them. Like I said, you know, it's really not something that keeps me awake at night, but but it's it, and and that's what appeals about um suburban metal dad as well is because it's um, uh it, it's quite clearly like straight from from brain to page. There's you know, you 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 get it down.
0: Ah, oh, thank you. I try. I don't know about the brain part, but it comes from somewhere.
1: Well, it's funny you should say that because when I uh, I I've I've got a I've got a huge um uh i've got a huge book here called the a decade of modern toss it's um really? uh, yes yeah, and, and so there's there's books i'm uh, definitely going to check oh there there's only one book and it's and it's ten it's ten pages um i mean it, for, for instance let me i'll i'll read you the forward this is the forward um for for ten years book and it says uh so you're a forward yeah big piece of thoughtful writing up the front of the book Trying to work out the cultural significance of some shit someone stuck together. Taking it all in, then making some fucking sense out of it before they email it off to the printer. Normally just p- p- flick past it, don't you? Unless you wrote it, or it's about you. This one looks alright though. Got massive words. You still reading it? Don't worry, I think that's it. See you around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm on the Amazon page right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm
2: definitely buying this shit. Oh, oh there's okay. a
0: colouring book. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I've got to steal that and, and it's great if just, I steal that and he sues me I'm going to need you to go back and remove this part of the podcast
2: well, well
1: look, look the the, um, the. I think on page two this is what made me think of it for you it just says how come you can't draw answer we draw in real time to the words that come out of our mouths try it it's not as easy as it sounds
0: <laughs> oh I love they're my new favourite cartoonists <laughs> I haven't yeah. even read a strip
1: yet i like yeah. these guys yeah well no it's, it's it's cool man it's cool but um so you, modern
0: it, toss mindless violence coloring
2: book <laughs>
1: <these dudes. laughs> yeah it is it is really cool honestly come christmas time everyone gets modern toss um christmas cards from me um if you can get birthday cards or anything like that it's um it's it's just brilliant it really is <laughs> it really is, but um, he
0: draws better than I do. In case you're curious, mine um, is <laughs> slightly worse than his. No, it's significantly worse. But
1: so, I'm working on it. So, other, so other than um, Suburban Metal Dad, is is that your main project? Because I know we talked off air. I hope I'm not giving any uh, secrets away here. But we talked off air um, after our last chat about you. You were thinking of getting a podcast together, and um, uh, did Suburban Metal Dad just kind of just sort of take over from that. No, that was, uh,
0: the the book came together kind of quickly. Like right now, uh, suburban metal dad was what I'm referring to as secret evil plan. Number five of six. So right now I'm working on, uh, five other secret evil plan projects. I can't discuss any of those. Um, right. One, I they're hard to keep straight. I'm going to do a podcast when I get a minute. Um, yeah, it's not going to be the one that I talk to you about, but right. I'm going to do this other one first and get it out of the way. What I'm hoping to do between now and the end of the year is to do um, my second Slayer book, the book that is a full biography.
2: Oh, awesome.
0: It, I'm going to do that as a podcast for reasons kind of like what we're talking about here. Um,
1: hang on. Hang on. Check. Oh, oh, sorry. Right. So this your second book. You're going to yeah. you're going to do it. You're going to read it as as yeah podcast the, episodes the
0: first one uh my first slayer book is just about rain and blood as part of the 33 and the third series from uh bloomsbury press i can see it from i can Dave see it from where other
1: people on it i can uh, see it from where i'm sat in my uh it's in my bookcase
0: yeah so that book is just about the making of the rain and blood album and that one is uh available as an audiobook and i get the royalties um and I don't get a lot of them. It doesn't sell too well. So I was <laughs> thinking about doing my full-length Slayer biography as a uh, as an audio book. But I know how much work goes into that. And if I'm selling it, you would expect a certain level of professionalism, I think. But if you're giving it away, I think that kind of releases you from a certain uh, top-tier quality. And you can digress and go off a little bit and say, um, here and there. You know?
2: Yeah. 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 So what
0: I'm going to do, hopefully, if I can get a fucking minute, you know, I'm at the point right now in my life where I'm constantly saying if I didn't have all this stuff to do, I could get some of this stuff done. Uh, but I'm going to do that as an audio book, just one chapter uh, a week. Uh, it's going to be the 30th anniversary of Rain and Blood coming up in October. So I want to kind of coincide the Slayer book with that and just read that basically. And that, I think, is going to help me wrap up for that other project that we talked about i guess that would be secret evil plan number seven if i get that far right yeah but i uh, to answer your question what am i doing i'm mostly working on things i teach uh, college at a couple different places part time what do you teach? i'm working actively on one two three books right now none of which i can discuss but i'm i'm
1: working on them. oh that's awesome so what, what do you teach uh, I teach like English major stuff,
0: or uh, I, don't, I forget what the how what the British term for major is, what you study, but uh, literature, liberal arts, that kind of thing. I teach uh, public speaking, teach writing, uh, business writing, uh, communication, that kind of stuff.
1: All oh, right, that's awesome. So sometimes, um,
0: sometimes it beats working.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah but it, it means that you have time for your own for your own creative projects as well. Yeah, but
0: I, I mean, I like to teach. You know, I've written a couple of motivational books and I just like helping people do something. You know, I think right. part of what you should do with your time on the planet is take a little bit of time every day to help somebody else. So by teaching, I have a flexible schedule. But, you know, that's part of my investment in the rest of the human race, because I think you got to take some responsibility or shut up, you know.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's um, I think that's a, 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 an admirable attitude to take. Um, so any plans Any plans for a new Slayer book
0: you know I I, I keep meaning to update this Slayer biography uh, and it's, it's pretty painstakingly indexed so if I do the uh, the updates and the corrections that I want to uh, it's going to fuck up my index but that only takes a day or two to fix I can do that um, I think whenever they call it a day like when they officially say there's no more Slayer I'm, I'm, I might expand it from the Jeff and Dave years to all the years or something like that do, or do a sort of they, do the book sort of... title is Slayer 66 and 2 thirds the Jeff and Dave years yes just covering the years that Jeff and Dave were in the band
1: and it's mm-hmm. a great book folks get uh, you know, get it download it do whatever it is it's a fucking great read I loved it and and also it's
0: available on Amazon also and SlayerBio.com Slayer, but, Slayer B-I-O. And, and get... but I, I have an, an idea for like a non bio thing just something uh slayer related and it's pretty simple idea I don't want to give it away but it's uh, might well, do something with that
1: but what I, what I love about the um about the um, the uh, sixty six and two thirds is that, that I mean there is stuff in there that um funnily enough talking about music journalists and stuff if people actually did the fucking reading if people actually dug a little deeper and just and, and just read your book you you it's all in there. Uh, The whole uh, the whole why Dave left, how, you know, the reasons for it, all of, you know, all of that is in there. And yet when you look at the way it was covered in the media, it was it's it's just never mentioned. And and I still think that Tom and Kerry deserve a lot of credit for not because they could have basically absolutely completely trashed him and said, Right. right, look, this is why he fucking did it. You've only got to look at X or Y or read these transcripts of what was said in court, yada yada. You know, they really could, but they, you know, they, they. As as Kerry King just says, he took some really bad advice, and, um, I, you know, I like I said, I just think if you know, you've only got to look at your book and the and the research that you put in put into it to see that, yeah, maybe the the journalism that we get from music journalists it's just it's not real journalism. it's not journalism yeah
0: like, you know here's here's the metaphor that i use for what has become music writing i won't even call it journalism music writing in this day and age you know what the human centipede is you've seen yes movies. i have you indeed they are yeah that is music writing. Somebody gets a little bit of information, not a lot, a little bit of information, and then dumps There's it into the mouth. <laughs> somebody else with their mouth up to the, that person's asshole, and they <laughs> shit out whatever kind of half-assed information they can get. And the next person swallows it and changes a couple words, and they shit that out, and it goes into the next person's mouth. Yeah. And that's music journalism in two thousand sixteen, and it's not getting better.
1: Yeah, yeah. I well. I have to say, um I mean given the like you know, the the esteemed journalists that I've had on um well, actually writers as they call themselves on the podcast. I've got a writer special, by the way, and you, coming up in Those people
0: uh, accept it. I mean you have oh like, yeah some the there that I would do well to trade places with. I'm talking about the people that retype the same bullshit on the internet.
1: Oh yeah, no, I know, exactly, yeah. I know there's no confusion there. But um now, and there's, by the way, there's a writer special coming up in August, which, you, which you're going to love. And I'll tell you who's on it um, after after we finish, because uh, I don't want to give it away just yet. Um, also, because one of the interviews that I've secured, I haven't actually done yet. So I never want to, you know, curse it by saying, oh, I'm going to have this person on. And then you don't. And you look like a dick. So um, I spend enough of my time looking like a dick. If I can reduce the dickishness, then that's all good. But, um, yeah, it's it, it, there. There is very much. Well, again, this is this is the internet in general. You know, they're, they're, journalism is a dying art. It really is a case of who can come up with the best clickbait, basically.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're rewarded for being half-assed. I mean, um, uh, right now, um, are you following the Dave Lombardo news about him allegedly possibly maybe being attached to the Misfits reunion?
1: Uh, no, I was completely unaware of that.
0: As of yesterday, the... the I I don't want to call it news, but it's a headline now. Dave Lombardo, best drummer ever, uh, is allegedly, supposedly rumored to be attached to playing for the highly anticipated proper Misfits reunion. Right. Which I'm, I'm being told that that is maybe possible, but I mean, it's being reported as a rumor. You know, if you were taking the time to do it right, you would try to source it, try to actually get somebody on the record or or even off the record to get some hardcore information about it. But you're rewarded for doing it bad. You report the rumor. And then if you get it wrong, you write a story about how it is wrong. So that's another story. And then you write a story about the response and the retraction and the correction and the retaliation and the update. So now instead of having one good story, it's in your financial interests. To be as half-assed and piecemeal and lazy, frankly, yeah. as you possibly can.
1: No, you, do you know what? I, yeah, I I missed this. I totally missed it. Yeah, and
0: I mean it's, it's strictly a rumor at this point. You know, maybe it's credible. I don't know. I'm not there. I don't talk to the guy, uh, which I think would be amazing. I already have tickets to go see that, but. Uh... You know, come on, do the work. Give me I, something.
1: Can I? Know? Can I? Can I just say it's so? Are, are you? Uh, is, is the whole is the whole Misfits reunion a thing for you? Because I'm 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 absolutely totally just like you know out of the loop on the Misfits.
0: Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, I am I'm, I'm a huge giant Misfits fan. They're probably ah. in the running for my favorite band ever. You know. I think ah, right. Okay. Good. I think they're a great band. I think they're one of the great rock bands. Period. Uh, I think the story of them is like one of the ultimate behind the music, like rock and roll tumultuous situations. Like everybody involved in that whole soap opera, there's the misfit story is equally right and equally wrong at the same time. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's like a tense 10 foot stack of bullshit behind everybody and, and nobody communicates and nobody does the right thing. And everybody's pursuing selfish interests and making bad decisions and, but at the heart of it, there's this really amazing catalog of music that is underrated and classic. And it's, uh, it's great music, it's great art, it's great soap opera, and it just keeps getting more and more twisted and surreal. And I am excited about it. I'm, I don't care about music reunions generally, but uh, this will be something to see. This will be something to see, I think. And I think it's going to be legit. Uh, I saw Danzig play on the first tour when Doyle, the Misfits guitarist, joined him for some uh, some Misfits songs. And it was a good show. I mean, Danzig was doing his thing. But when Doyle came out, I've never seen the energy in a room change like that. Just all of a sudden, everybody knew that Misfits shit was happening. And it was like a big wave you could feel. Like halfway through a Danzig concert, it became the Misfits and everybody just roaring alive. Yeah. So I have tickets to see the second time that the proper Misfits reunion with Danzig is going to happen, and it's uh, even if it's terrible, I think the energy in the room alone is going to make it worth the money.
1: Oh, that's awesome, man! Well, I'm, I'm, I, you know, I like I said, I, I'm just not. Uh, yeah, it was. They, they were just never. A, they were never kind of a, a thing for me. Um...
0: I, I got hip to them kind of late. I think. You know, again, I swear to God, I'm not a hippie, although I say a lot of hippie-type shit. I think sometimes in life, the universe just kind of holds back music for you for later, and then there's a point in your life where you're like, what do you mean you never listen to Anthrax? Here, check them out. you, know, you right. never heard Acid Rain? Are you <laughs> kidding me? Like, check out all the albums, and then like, at some point when you need it, there's some band that's 25 years old, and you're like, oh, my oh the Misfits. I get it now.
1: Yeah yeah oh, right okay yeah no, I, I, So maybe yeah. one
0: day. Howard, have you accepted Glenn Danzig as your personal savior?
1: Um, I have to say no apparently Let me
0: tell you the good news about Glenn Danzig.
1: Yeah, I, What? he's about my height. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's here. He's here for you. When you take one step toward Glenn Danzig, he will take not two but three steps toward you. He is that eager right okay. but no, seriously misfits great band very underrated um one day maybe it'll grab you and you have to be in the right mood for music to grab you that is important yeah and no there ab- are a lot absolutely of well that i listen to and i'm like yeah i don't get it
1: well look i mean you know uh not that they're the same not that they're the same kind of band but um you know one of my all-time favorite bands are the descendants um uh and perfect example yeah. And, and to this day, when I when I speak to people, it's like, oh, you know, well, you, actually, the conversation usually goes, what's that? What's that tattoo on your right leg? And I say, well, that's that's uh, that's Milo and Allroy And one represents descendants and one represents all. And at that point, people usually go, right, OK, what the fuck does that all mean? Um, and it's like, what do you mean? You've never heard of the descendants. And yeah, oh. you know, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to be on the quest for all, and that is what we are... Uh, we're, we are all on the quest for all, all the time.
0: I have... Can I share my testimony with you, Howard?
1: You can indeed. Go ahead, sir.
0: I have recently embarked on my quest for all. I've been aware of the Descendants the whole time, I've always known, but for some reason, it took me until, like, very recently. Oh, man. Like, for... I've... I've not, like... A year ago, something about the, the song I'm Not a Loser grabbed me. Oh.
2: It's
1: a
0: song I've been hearing since the 80s, but something about it, I was all of a sudden like, oh, this is some shit.
1: Yeah, shit. absolutely.
0: And then like a year later, for Father's Day this year, do you do Father's Day in England? We do indeed. For Father's Day, I got the Descendants documentary. Have you seen oh,
1: it? Oh, mate, seen it? I was fucking at the UK premiere, and who should rock up and have a chat um, about it afterwards? But... Um, one of the Blink One Eight Two dudes, really? Yeah, and 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 the the um, the premiere was in a fucking cap, like a, a, like a little theater in the back of a cafe in deepest darkest North London, um, and I and yeah, I, and it was awesome, and I have the Blu Ray and I play it to every single person who's either in a band who's thinking about being in a band who likes music. I mean, it's just a universally, you don't have to like the descendants music to love that fucking film.
0: Yeah. I mean this, if you don't, if you don't know it, go get it. If you're a fan of the bands or if you're even moderately interested, including the bonus material, Yes. bonus, 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 Yeah. It is three hours long and it's not long enough.
1: Well, the the movie's not. The movie's like an hour and a half. Yeah, I
0: mean, including the bonus material. I mean, the movie's like a standard, like, 90, 100 minutes, something like that. But all told, there's three hours of quality footage and it's not enough. I want more.
1: And, And you know what? If you like any elements of punk whatsoever during that movie a band that you like or that you heard of will say, yeah, we were in, we were influenced by the descendants. You yeah, know?
0: I mean, Dave Grohl's in it, but aside from that, very good movie.
1: Oh, I I, I love Dave Grohl. I mean, it's, it's uh, for me, it's just a real shame that he's never released any music that is as good as he seems to be a person. Um, Foo Fight is just one of those bands that like, you know, every album there's one song on it. And I think, Oh, this is good. This could be... And then you get the album and go, oh, fuck it. Done again.
0: Uh, Satan is yeah. real, boys and girls. And he's not wearing a pitchfork. He's playing in the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Not oh. Dave Grohl. He's just behind the... the... I, I... I This is irrational and crazy, but I resent Dave Grohl and the Foo Fighters for being around when Kurt Cobain is not anymore.
1: Well, I'm... Um... S- yeah, and that's
0: I, that's wrong, and I don't expect anybody to share that with me. But I would rather have Kurt.
1: Well, one thing, one thing I read recently, which I thought was really, really, really cool, and I didn't know, was that um, it's a it's an unauthorized biography of um, Dave Grohl, and. Um, he the first out al- the first album he recorded as a demo and he plays all the instruments on it and all the rest of it and and he'd handed out a few tapes and stuff like that and they started to get in the hands of record companies and his his phone his messaging was going off the hook about or you know getting contacted by all these labels and stuff like that saying look you know we're interested and he said he didn't know what to do so he rang a friend who was a music solicitor and she'd like you know worked with the stones back in the day and all sorts and he said, "What do I do?" And she said, "You know, which one do I sign with?" And she said, "Easy. None of them. What you do is you form your own label, and all you ever do is sign three album distribution deals with the with any label that you want, you will control all of the revenue. So you will control if you want to make a video, then you make a video for the song that you want and you spend as much as you want on the video, and that's it. And all they do is distribution, and that to this day is how the Foo Fighters is run. It is absolutely, totally, wait, di- yeah, I didn't know no, that. Yeah, it's totally DIY punk. Nobody tells them what to do. There's absolutely, they control absolutely 100% of everything. You see, is not influenced by a marketing department. It's not diluted by a marketing machine. It's absolutely nothing. The only say that any label gets in it is how many albums they get to sign them for.
0: Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Yeah. And I, I like that. I mean, that's that's kind of what I do with my stuff. You know, I realised at some point that... Like, I, I like motivational literature. I like all... Do you, are you into that stuff at all?
1: No, not at all. I believe in uh, I believe in what... Um, I believe in George Carlin's old... Uh, old um, uh maxim which was um self-help there's no such thing as self-help you know you, you read a book that's help
2: <laughs> um, uh, um, yeah, you
0: see like i like
1: that stuff but like to me like from the books to the
0: podcast it's kind of like people with superpowers sharing their story about how they discovered their superpowers you know what i mean yeah like yeah there was this and then i took the money that i had when i cashed out from the uh from the hedge fund that I started. And then I started writing books. Like, fuck. So you expect me to do that too? You know, like these, the advice you get from successful people is, you know, it's so compromised by the things they had going for them. I'm not saying they didn't work hard for that.
1: Well, but, also, you know, well, also to me
0: as somebody that's always looking for models of success, you know, I don't want to know how successful people and wealthy people and popular and people that had what they had going for them. I want to know how I can make myself popular or not popular, but just (laughs) successful. You know, how can I get my shit out there?
1: But also I, I, that that kind of stuff is like, I am always wary of that because it's like, there's no such thing as a hundred percent true altruism because whoever is doing the good deed is doing it because it makes them feel good. That's why they're fucking doing it. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, quite right, as as you say, all of that kind of like, oh, you know, this is how I did this, and this is how I did that, and I just think, well, you know, good for you, go fucking tell it to someone else, you yeah. know. Um,
0: so I mean, like, I like all that stuff, but you know, at a certain point, like, okay, what about us mortals? You know, what about like the regular people, like the ham and eggers that need to, you know, really work our asses off, you know, that don't have like the brilliance, you do, that don't have the superpowers, that just have like the regular, average everyday, like limited ability, energy, attention span, whatever. How yeah. do we make it through? You know, that's something that I, I kinda explore in my work a little bit.
1: Oh that's cool. That's cool. Well um I, I but enough, um one question I wanted to ask you was um you were talking about like music music journalism I know and I know you've well let me just come out with it if um if you were approached by a website to say look you know would you be interested in reviewing a few uh, reviewing a few albums or or, or stuff like that is that is that something that you would that you you still have passion enough to do or is that something that you'd take a pass on
0: i i would probably pass on it i mean like i write about music from time to time now but i mean I, i I've lost interest in a lot of music. I've lost interest in doing the work. Yeah. Now, frankly, I mean, I'm I'm 43 years old. You know, when I was 38, I looked at some people around that were older music writers. And out of like maybe four of them, more than four, I looked at like one and thought, well, he's into it. You know, he really cares. And the rest of the people are, are looking at new music and going, well, yeah, I think that's kind of interesting. That's Kind of nice, you know. That singer sounds a little bit like Pat Benatar.
2: Like
0: you, it, it's it's 2008. Did you just make <laughs> a Pat Benatar reference to yeah. a band that is like four years old? What? Yeah. You know, I just I didn't want to be like that person that is like old and still faking it. You know, well, I didn't well, give it, a shit about music anymore. Yeah, that. So I backed out of the game.
1: That absolutely reminds me of um of a podcast interview I did with Jem Howard from Music for Nations and i said to him so so when did you you know when did you cuz you know when did you kind of like leave the label and he said well when i didn't know what was good anymore you know he said you know when when thrash was around you know and stuff like that and like we'd listen to bands and we would say yep yeah, that's good yep yeah, we'd sign that and but he said but it got to a stage where we he said i found myself have, having to ask other people you know, what, what was good and what was, uh, and, it, and it was just like, right. So, so I'm out, I'm done. Yeah. You I know? think
0: I could tell what's good. I just, I don't give a shit and that's how it starts. You know, I, I think I'm one of the rare people to realize like, wait, you know, if you're not invested in this, maybe you shouldn't be the one telling other people what's good and not, you know, I'm, I'm glad to back off and let other people that are invested in it, just do it and get out of their way. Because I mean, my whole career as a music writer, and I don't know if I ever considered myself a critic, but a journalist, you know, again, I used to think, this is so bad, you know, I think I should get in the game because I could do it at least as badly as they do, given the opportunity. Yeah. You know, I, I thought that people were always writing bad reviews and wrong reviews for the wrong reasons. And then I got in the field a little bit and I learned that that was the fact of the matter. It was worse than I had suspected. Yeah. Yeah, and I didn't want to be that
1: guy. So, well, look, well and that's 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 admirable. That's I have admirable. other
0: things I want to do at this point.
1: No, that's cool. Well, look, I'm, we, um, I, I want to kind of like wind up now, but but just. To, um, uh, remind people where we can get where we can get um, Suburban Metal Dad, which well, it's, it's Amazon, isn't it? Basically,
0: yeah. On Amazon, you can get the book. Just search for DX Ferris, and you'll get all my uh, my metal books and everything. Oh, of uh, course. Yeah. We'll, uh will link you to it uh, to the web comic. Uh, the new strips run every Monday and every Friday on a website called PopDose. Very good website. How's that now, spelled? Popdos. P O P d-o-s-e oh, right, okay com popdose right. yeah. and that's that's a very good uh, music news and views website you know I mentioned the uh the human centipede metaphor yeah that's the rare website that just doesn't have the same old shit that everybody else retypes based on somebody else's article I mean it has original distinct content on it so if you like music it's a good site popdose.com
1: well I'm, I'm actually ju- I'm just going to visit it now to have a look and um yeah, uh, so that's so I... where
0: you get like the newer newer stuff. I think my. The comic strip that I put out today is my perhaps least funny one ever, but in this case it was intentional. Like it's something that was not designed to be not funny, <laughs> or it was designed to be not funny as yeah,
1: opposed hey, to my funny t- strips. You're talking about my entire fucking act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs>
0: But I mean, it's it's just you know it's it's been nice you know in America this is when you're taping this this is Comic Con week
2: here. When oh, Sandy it's Apple right.
0: Comic Con oh, comes and it's kind of it's deep, you know, nerd ground st- zero for everything it, in geek culture and popular culture.
1: It's, it's nerd stampede, isn't it? It's yeah, it's, it's nerd
0: stampede. Yeah, don't
1: but, get me But, I mean, it's
0: everything. It's movies. I mean, it's kind of even the nerds are being forced out. It's all these big entertainment interests. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I, this
0: is. I mean, I got nothing to be sad about. I got nothing to be depressed about. I mean, I live in America, modern America. We got it good here. But this is the time of year when I kind of sink into a little bit of a black hole and I get sad and bummed out because I'm too broke and too anonymous to buy a plane ticket to go 3,000 miles to Comic-Con and check out or maybe talk to some people and maybe be talked to. Yeah. Um, so thank you for having me because oh, no, it's, 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 it's something to be able to talk about something that I made, you know, something I'm yeah, working on absolutely. I've been writing my whole life basically. And I, I used to think I used to try to be creative and it just never worked. I wasn't doing it right. So I spent my whole life thinking I can't be creative. Um, it's not in me. I don't have anything to give. Then over the past few years, I decided, like, nah, damn it. You know, I'm going to try. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be great. But I'm going to draw my little bullshit, and I'm going to get better at it. Well, know, you know, do you know, um, do you know what? I, I still, you know, I've been doing it for like five years. And I, you know, six months ago, I would have told you still I'm not a creative person. But when I got this book of comic strips in my hand, I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like, this is me. Yeah. Like the other four books I've written I think somebody would have written basically those eventually. Like somebody would have written an updated Slayer biography. Um you know somebody would have written the how-to books that I did. You know somebody would have written this or that. But this is like the one thing I've done so far that I can pick up and go you know if not for me and the bullshit going on in my head this thing wouldn't exist. Yeah. Uh, so I'm feeling sad, and I'm feeling bummed out, and I wish I were in sunny California watching people in Spider-Man costumes run around in Harley Quinn costumes. But um, I feel better when well, you're talking.
1: Well, this this is this is way more fun, believe you and me. Believe you and me. <laughs> Probably so, is. A
0: lot less hot, a lot well, less crowd. I,
1: well, I, given what you just said, I think you should change your prefix from DX Ferris to DIY Ferris. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Because you did I it try. yourself, man. You did it yourself. And that's, that's what it's all about there. And that is, that is a great positive message to give to everybody to wind up on. Thank you very much for coming on again. And, and, and don't go anywhere because I'll, um, I'll, you know, I'll I'll know word you up on a, a couple of things. But, um, hey, thank you for, for having me.
0: Just keep doing what you're doing. Pleasure. If you don't like the show, Pleasure. for God's sakes, there's so much other good stuff out there. Don't listen <laughs> to stuff you don't like.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks for coming hey, on. Hey, thanks
0: for listening, everybody. Appreciate yeah.
1: it. Cool. Cheers. Okay, so there you go. That was my um, I chat with Ferris there. Um, what a cool guy. Um, uh, I really, I really enjoy talking to Ferris. Um, I've, I'm in you know, having read his um, uh, his books. Um, it's, it's kind of weird thing that I, I remember buying the um, the uh, the Rain in Blood book years ago, and then and then um, the Jeff and Dave years as well. And then I, I, it it kind of I kind of had the idea whilst reading the second one maybe this is a guy I could get on the podcast maybe this is and he's just been super cool to deal with so easy to uh you know to organize around and as you heard there you know just uh, just a really really nice guy and um I am going to try I'm going to try and make that sort of round 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 that sort of Skype round table happen round 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 I'll get it out eventually Cunts! Um, but, um, yeah, I, I will, um, I'll try and make that happen. And, uh, and do check out, um, sub, sub- what the fuck? I've suddenly had an attack of being the twat I normally am. Can't speak. Um, do have a look at Suburban Metal Dad. It is it is funny. And, um, and as we all know, I am, I am the, uh, the king of funny. I'll decide what's funny in metal, Okay. And um, and it's funny. Um and also there's um there's his Slayer books, which are awesome. I mean I can't recommend either um enough because the, the Rain in Blood part of the 33 and the third uh, series is just as as in depth as you're ever gonna go on that album. And um the Slayer, you know, the Jeff and Davy is 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 brilliant. It really is. And like I said, there's there's real in-depth real in-depth research in there. Um, and you know if you, if you, if you want if you want all of the clues to see why Lombardo ended up leaving as you heard us mentioned there, you know that that 's the book to find it anyway um yeah, that was very cool so moving on um, uh, other things I wanted to mention um acid rain, a band you may have heard of I happen to be the vocalist we um we announced a Christmas show in Bridge End, um, which is our first um, gig in Wales for, I think, uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be 26 years. And we're playing hobos in Bridge End. And the reason I bring this up is because we are DIYing it. We are, um, we are selling the tickets. So basically, we're going school, old school here. We're cutting out all of the ticket cunts. OK, I'm looking at you, Live Nation, I'm looking at you, C-Tickets, I'm looking at you, uh, Ticketmaster, all of those cunts that unbelievably charge you £2.50 to print your own tickets out. Fucking what? Surely that's fucking illegal! I mean, it's got to be, hasn't it? Someone needs to do something about that. Um, yeah, basically, you the, the, the surcharge on any ticket purchases is £2.50. And that is postage. So if you buy 10 tickets, you will still only be charged £2.50. Okay? Why? Because when I... Okay, fucking dick fuck here. Uh, Fucked up there, seriously. And um, I pulled the cable out. Yes, that's right. I was wandering around and I pulled the cable out. So anyway, yeah. We're great guys. Um, We're doing the DIY ticket thing. Hurrah! So, um, uh, next up... Um, I I I just wanted to um, I just wanted to mention um, that we have a plethora of great albums out at the moment, and I I, I kind of I've neglected to mention this, um, and I I feel like I've done a I've, I've done you a disservice. So there's some absolutely great albums out at the moment, um, and you know you guys need to hear about them, um, or at least I need to share what I'm listening to at the moment. So here's a feature I'm going to call. Howard's album reviews. Howard's album reviews. Yep, that's my. Uh, <laughs> that's that's my. Uh, that's the little the um, little jingle I've made. Here's the other one. Howard's album reviews. Listen up. Anyway, um, as you know, um, I was going on about um, the Gogira album, Magma. Maybe finally being the album I could finally re- really. You know, get into theirs, and it is—it's awesome. I absolutely love it. I cannot stop playing it. Crushingly heavy. Um, some of it is actually catchy. Now, I must admit, if you already like Gajira, there seems to be a certain amount of. Um, oh they finally sold out but for speaking for somebody uh, speaking as somebody who's never been able to quite get into them um, I think it's awesome I really do well worth checking out Um, sort of uh, almost voivoddy in places it is very very heavy Um, but I really suggest um, uh, checking checking some out Um, other albums that are worth a mention that I'm absolutely loving that I haven't mentioned for some reason the new Flotsam and Jetsam album by Flotsam and Jetsam called Flotsam and Jetsam um it is superb. It's the best album since The Cold. Um I think it's much better than than the um uh, than the last album Ugly Noise. Um it's got a rocking production. Um it, it's, it's just it's really good quality old school thrash Flotsam and Jetsam style. Can't recommend it highly enough as well as on that same tip of great thrash. Um the new Death Angel album is it's 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 excellent I mean I really really um, I really loved the um, the last album uh, I'm just trying to think what it was called uh, oh fucking hell this is really annoying me um, oh The uh, the Dream Calls for Blood great album but the new album The Evil Divide is also absolutely superb um, I mean they're really on form at the moment um, and again if, I mean if you like Death Angel if you like Thrash um, well worth picking up well worth and um and and then uh, I, I kind of a more of a more new school album um, and a band who have actually well in fact I think I've, I've played a song on here in fact I know I've played a song on here um, and that would be Revocation um, the new album Great Is Our Sin is just fucking brutal modern thrash um, it's Revocation seems to be one of those bands that are, they're so consistent that um, no one seems to get a. Uh, no one seems to give them the, the the props as I believe the phrase is that they deserve but they are fucking awesome they really are and that, that new album is absolutely killing it it really is so, um, so well 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 worth a listen so that's um, Flotsam and Jetsam Death Angel um, uh, Gajira and Revocation now two albums you're going to have to keep an ear out for at the end of the month on the 29th of July, um, I still haven't worked out how to pronounce it, but the Descendants released their first album since 2006. I think it's at least 10 years, or possibly even 2004. Um, so that's got to be done. It's hyper hyperfacilitat, whatever it's called. Um, but seriously, it's the Descendants, for fuck's sake, you've got to check it out. Um, I have an advanced copy, as you'll find out in this next interview with Guy Davis, I have an advanced copy of um, the new Billy Talent album, Afraid of Heights, and fuck me, they have done it again. Oh yes, they have. Um just one of the most I mean even possibly I'm going to say the most consistent band in my collection. Um Billy Billy Talent 1, Billy Talent 2, Billy Talent 3, um all absolute classics. Um and then they decided to uh, and and then they decided to break the mold and stop uh, and stop numbering the albums which I'm 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 glad they did um, and I, I'm stalling because I'm just trying to find the title of the second album which we, I'm sorry fourth album which is absolutely killing me um, here we go right uh, dead silence of course dead silence which is fucking awesome dead silence fucking awesome and the new album afraid of heights is just absolutely brilliant it really is um i've had to it's one of those where i'm having to ration listens because uh, i just want to listen to i get to the end and just want to go back to the beginning again so seriously there's some there's some really cool stuff to check out there guys so um so please do and I, and i've been it's been re- i've been remiss i haven't i really haven't been kind of up to date on on the um on albums recently and uh, my apologies for that um and um i will squeeze another little moan about um about, uh, about Megadeth in before, um, before the end of the podcast, but it's time to move on it's time to move on um, to one of my favourite um, interviews I've done for a while, because Ruben were a band that I absolutely loved, um, I saw them many times as you're going to hear, I'm not going to go because uh, you're going to hear a lot here um, I really, 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 really did like Ruben. That's a lot. That's a lot of reallys. I loved him, and I was I was gutted when they split up. Um, and so now I got to interview, and and guy was really cool. I I tweeted him. He came back and said, yeah, why not? Let's do it. It was dead easy to hook up with him and uh, and do this interview. And it was really cool. It was it was you know I've, I felt like a bit of a fan in this interview. I hope, uh, I hope that doesn't come across, or maybe it does. Um, I mean I don't know. Whatever. Um, it was it was great fun to do. Um, really nice guy, and it was great to to, to hear about you know uh, basically what happened. And 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 it was really cool of him to be so willing to talk about Ruben as well because he is in the band Freeze Atlantic, which is his, you know, which which is his thing. So that to to um to to be willing to do a lot of talk about reuben was was really cool so um here we go this is me being a fanboy and uh chatting to um guy davis formerly of reuben and now a freeze the atlantic um it was just chatting a couple of days ago actually do you know what let's have some reuben before we do the interview and then you'll know what i'm going on about this is a song from the very fast very dangerous album which i fucking love and this is called blame thrower
3: We'll have a social debt. And if there is a man free of guilt, I haven't met him yet. So now you're back to your corner. You're under verbal attack. They pointing fingers like guns in your face, and Nobody got your back. You got your back. Somebody for all your fucking mistakes. So someone else will fight for all us. I'm back, i i back. And division. you should take responsibility. I take my watch again, but you just put your finger in somebody head. I stand to see. No, I don't feel so fucking good. No, I don't feel so fucking good. No, I don't feel so fucking good. No, I don't. I need somebody to blame. Somebody asks you how you feel, and instead of telling the truth You realize off a list of things you think they want to hear Because it's easier that way And so they treat you like this completely different person Because all they know about you is misinformation And you gradually detach yourself from all your actions Thinking <laughs> well, GET!
1: Hello Guy. How are you doing? I am very well, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Excellent. Pretty good. Excellent. Glad to hear it, sir. Glad to hear it. Um, (laughs) uh, We we are recording, so um, anything you say from now on can be taken down and used in evidence against you.
4: (laughs) Fair enough. Okay. Hello listeners.
1: (laughs) Yeah. uh well look, a quick um a quick idea of of what this is talking bollocks podcasts um uh i uh, used to and do again now sing in a uk thrash band called acid rain from way back in the day um and um we we had a break for about 25 years and uh, <laughs> uh, so, and for 20 of those years um uh, i was and still am a stand up comic um so that's Kind of my sort of reason for putting the podcast together is just to try and kind of approach music well approach the, approach the music I love in a slightly light hearted way and get people on to to talk shit with me. Excellent, sounds good. Well, your 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 initial response to my uh, to my to my tweet, I thought you're going to be a, you're going to be perfect for this podcast.
4: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, uh, you know, poor, uh, poorly. Mannered and uh, can't think of anything when you ask me, and well, we'll see how it
1: goes. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't worry. Well, you're you're in it now. You're on the show, even if the interview lasts <laughs> another two minutes. You're fucked. <laughs> That's it. I'm in the deep end. <laughs> Absolutely, I've got you. Um, Hit me with it. <laughs> well, I, well, I, well, I will because there's there's a lot I want to talk to you about, and. Um, and uh i guess uh, if if you don't mind i would like to start at the beginning um and and you know we will get on to, to where you're at now and obviously um keep everybody informed sure. but uh, my uh my my kind of history with you go well not history we don't we don't have history together <laughs> <laughs> we may do
4: the thing is it's embarrassing when when the, you know people come up and say hey man it's been a long time and you know <laughs> Really has it? Did we go to school together? I'm just like racking my brains, going, uh, "Crap, are we old best friends?" And my memory's <laughs> just that bad, or do you just know who I am and I don't know who you are?
1: <laughs> so uh, so when they don't explain it, it's like, "Oh God!" Is that is that a family trait, or have you just smoked a, a heroic amount of weed over the years? <laughs> I
4: think it's a family trait. I think it's my mother's side.
1: Well, I, well, I've got that and smoke a lot of weed, So, and I'm, and, 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 and I'm, and I'm a bit older than you as well, so um, I, I, we did our first tour for 25 years in October, and, and you know people coming up going, alright guys, it's been a long time, and I was thinking, yeah, I, I have not got a fucking clue. Um, <laughs> if, 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 it, if, it, if it wasn't for the word mate, I think I would have been in a lot of trouble.
4: Yeah, yeah, mate or buddy.
1: Pow! Yeah, there you go. Yeah, friend. Uh, oh no, that's a bit too much. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. yeah, well, I, well, I, actually, we d- funnily enough, we do share friends. We sh- we share a group of friends called Billy Talent.
4: Oh my god! Yeah. Fantastic!
1: They are possibly
4: the, without doubt, actually the the nicest group of guys
1: the nicest guys we, we yeah. have met
4: as a band and, yeah. with, and um, i absolutely love them and i still listen and follow them now and really looking forward to them bringing out their uh, their new album which i think it's going to hit the shelves soon hopefully
1: have, uh, july the 29th have you heard it yet
4: ah oh, amazing no i've only heard uh, two of the songs that are out
1: do you do you want me to share a preview copy with you at the end of the interview oh yes please <laughs> <laughs> you see it's been worth it already oh, oh that's, there. yeah the payoff yeah and and um and and this is not going to come as much of a surprise it's fucking great ah oh,
4: it's it's so good i mean what i love about it is they've just got this uh like in in such, such a an amazing songwriter and yeah. uh, when we talked with him i like, you know i think that was on album two and uh, i just i said to him it's it's such a pleasure every night going out and watching them i mean you know you i've been on tours where you you don't always have the time or want to could go out and watch the same band every night night after night yeah I mean, it's okay yeah. for a few nights but you know it's nice to have a break and go out and get some dinner and whatever and take a break but the talent they were just one of those bands which their songs for me, it was just right up my street and, and I just enjoyed watching them. They had so much energy and just because the songs have been written and crafted so well, um, you can, you, you can just like air drum along and (laughs) sing along and it's just, it's just brilliant every night. And, um, uh, yeah, what a pleasure
1: to play with those guys. I, uh, I mean, well, everything, everything you say is true. I mean, they are a lovely, lovely bunch of chaps. Um, a friend of mine's been working with them for years. I was actually, it was great. It was one of those that um, I, you know, I, I got into them on the first album, you know, Try Honesty, back in the days of MTV. When, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. and I was in from the beginning. I was totally on board as soon as I heard and got the first album. Loved it. Second album, I could not believe was better. I couldn't. I just yeah. couldn't believe the strength of that second album. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's just phenomenal. It's that
4: second album. And coming from a drum perspective, um, they did all the the drums and the cymbals separately. Yes. So uh, once I knew that, I kind of it kind of twisted my perspective on it a little bit. So I kind of listened to it slightly different, a bit more kind of thinking uh, a bit more about sounds and uh, yeah. it's quite an interesting. It's funny when you find out. It's a bit like um. Uh, uh, Queens of Stone Age, um, Songs for the Deaf. Yeah. They did the, the cymbals and drums separately on that as well. And uh, it always makes me go, oh, I'm not sure. If, I've, I've kind of always been intrigued about maybe trying that sometime, but uh, I don't know, I always revert back and whenever I record drums, I just play it live all together.
1: Um, well, it, yeah, it, yeah, just, it, it, it seems bit. it seems kind of counterintuitive, doesn't it? I mean, I, I, I interviewed... Um, uh neil cooper who is an old friend of mine he used to play in a band way back in the day called the beyond who then he, he's he been the drummer in therapy for years now um and he said the last two albums um have been uh symbols done separately and but he said the weird thing was the first time it happened they um he sat down with the producer and they were having a couple of beers the night before they were going in the studio for a couple of beers and, they, and the producer said like, oh, yeah yeah we'll get started on drums tomorrow and he was like yeah cool It'll probably only take me three or four days he goes yeah and then we'll do symbols." and he just laughed went ha, 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 yeah yeah funny and he said and the producer just looked at him and went what what's funny doing the symbols afterwards and he was like no that's that's what we're gonna do that's how I, that's how I record drums and he was like okay I'm willing to give anything a try but more than 12 hours notice would have been you know brilliant <laughs> So um, <laughs> and and uh, and
4: hopefully their budget stretched that far. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: uh, yeah absolutely. But uh, but no, he said now he he's said either that
4: or he's got to record the the drum tracks in the, you know, twice as quickly. Well, yeah, but he's, he's or you know, or or less
1: takes, you know. <laughs> well, he said it's actually second nature to him now and it's just it's it's not a problem and he just he like he likes the separation that it, that that he gets from it. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, which, which I get, but I, I, I don't know. I just think you know when when the whole band's playing, you know, really, you've got to have serious bat ears to be able to pick that out. Yeah, yeah
4: absolutely. I think there's um, everyone's really striving for perfection in their production, and uh, not everyone, but I think you know the, the general trend is everyone's got to be super produced, and it's got to sound bigger, bigger and fatter, and you know, more in your face when you listen to it on speakers and headphones and it's got to be the best mix. The problem is you end up with everyone having the same drum sound because you end up you know, a lot of people, you know, sample um replaced and yeah uh, you know, record symbols and drums separately and then they trigger anyway and it just gets to the point where everything sounds so damn good it's boring.
1: Yeah, absolutely, totally agree. You lose lo- lo- This is lo- just yeah.
4: my, my opinion and my Oh you, you will my
1: Hey, Well, Guy, you know, Guy, the reason you're on here is I want your opinion.
4: Well,
1: so, yeah, so, you're going to get it. Uh, right? Well, yeah, well, absolutely. Do carry on. I apologise for interrupting.
4: So, you know, I've always been a real fan of real um, drum sounds. Uh, one, one album I, I always kind of refer to would be, uh, or a couple maybe, would be Pearl Jam No Code and Pearl Jam Yield. Uh, they, they've they got um, a particularly uh, kind of truthful drum sound going on. I think they've got Jack Irons on both those albums. Yeah. And uh, he's got a real great groove about him anyway. And um, in fact, all the Pearl Jam drummers are great in their own right. But I think Jack Irons is possibly one of my favourite. He's just got this real kind of loosey, you know, kind of loose kind of groove to him. But it's it's, You know, it's tight. Yeah. It's kind of got a rust. really organic. And the drums, they sound like this real open, you know, kind of thin-shell drum. And they ring, and they've just got a real sound about it. Um, And I love that. Um, And you you end up listening to, I don't know, any kind of modern-day kind of metal album or something like that. It's all very super-produced, and you can't tell what kind of drum kit it is. It just sounds like... the next album, on the previous album, whatever. You know, um, I, I really love it when albums sound different, um, yeah, from each other. Uh, and, and so, I think it's interesting when bands work with different producers and engineers to get different sounds. Um, so, I, and I, I did the, I engineered and produced the first two um, Free Atlantic records, but we're kind of jumping the gun here a bit, getting getting present No, no, it's but, um, fine.
1: Let's, we can we can jump about all over the map.
4: Um, as I said, I am a little
1: scatty, so uh, you may find I do jump about a lot. <laughs> oh, if you, oh, seriously, mate! If you think you're scatty, you are scatty, honestly, you have you have just met your rival for for, for scatty. <laughs> Absolutely, well, I, just, I just, uh, you know that's all, that's all well. I
4: just feel sorry for the
1: listeners. So. <laughs> no, no, um, no, fuck them. You, fuck them. Yeah, you know, I hope, I hope they, they keep up. Well, um, as, as I always say, look, if you haven't enjoyed the show, what the fuck did you listen for? You know. <laughs> you 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 idiot! Don't download it again. Go and listen to something yeah. else.
4: <laughs> um, um, you used an interesting but...
1: word there as well. The the sound of uh, truthful, which 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 is absolutely spot on. Um, I might I might go for. I mean I'm I'm a fan of raw. Um, yeah, you know, just you know. Yeah,
4: well that you can go for me. You can go too much the other way. And, and it oh, becomes, yeah. becomes like, you, you say raw, and to me, I'm trying to think of a, an album. Like, okay, um, when I think raw, I think, um... Weezer, Pink... Uh, not, yeah, Pinkston. Do I mean Pinkston? <laughs> I think I do. That's got quite a raw drum sound on it. Um, let look get my CD collection. Uh, Brilliant. Yeah, I do mean that. Yeah, Pinkston. That's got a really all the but very ringy drum sound, and uh, it, it's cool. A lot of people love the sound of the album, but for me, it's a little edging on too clumsy sounding.
1: Yeah. If you know what I mean. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, there's, look, there's overproduced, there's underproduced and there's, you know, there's, there's, there's truthful and there's, there's raw and there's shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um but,
4: I, but at the same time, I love, I love getting different sounds and, uh, you know, I think all, all of the each Ruben album sounds very different. They're like three albums that definitely have an individual oh, sound to them.
1: Absolutely, um, absolutely, completely, totally different. But also I would I would venture that um and and you know, thanks for that little segue there. Um I I would venture that it's not just it's not just a production, but I mean you know musically the the albums I feel are are are, are very different as well. They they offer the listener something completely different each three.
4: Yeah, and, and the thing is, they we were very influenced by different bands throughout the periods of writing each album. So yeah, like the first album, we we were listening to like at the drive-in and like Glassjaw and stuff like that, and. You would never think it, but some of those songs, like, uh, I'm trying to think, maybe, I don't know, there's just bit, there's a bit in Tonight My Wife Is Your Wife at the beginning. Yeah. That's like Jamie's vision for the drums there was more of a glass thing. It doesn't sound like that at all, but that was what he was in his head. Yeah. And it came out what it is, and then, you know, it's just, it is a Ruben thing. <laughs> like, uh, uh, Full of the Bastille um, more of a kind of at the drive kind of inspired thing and, and then there was another song that's not on the first Rubin album but it, it should have been uh, a song called Wooden Boy right? Uh, which was live bit of a live favourite and I think Wooden Boy was probably a B-side Wooden Boy what was it a B-side on It might have been one of the first Oh, God, it was the first ever single we did. Oh, um, wow. Scared of the Police. Yeah. So, Wooden Boy's track three on that single. And uh, actually, that wasn't me playing drums on that, although it, that's the weird thing about Wooden Boy. It was written when I was in the band originally. Um, before we did an album and, and anything at all, uh, I I was playing for the band for like eight months while Mark Lawton, the previous drummer, went away um, to do a, a season... I think uh, I think it was in Canada, a ski season. And so he's going to go away. I was kind of filling in on, on drums for him. Yeah. And uh, and then we wrote these songs like Forbes Bastille and Wooden Boy. And then he came back and then joined the band. And then they went off and recorded uh, Wooden Boy, which became uh, the B-side on, on the first single. And uh, But it, it was weird because he played the drums, but I was actually the drummer who...
1: Right, who played the
4: parts originally, came up yeah. with the parts with, with Jamie, I mean yeah. Jamie, Jamie was a very strong songwriter, he'd write a lot of the drum parts, uh, but a lot of the drum parts would be, you know, uh, twisted around by me a little bit, and you know, Phil's beat, stuff I'd come up with, and here and there, you know, Jamie would come up with, you know, a huge amount of it, and I'd twist it, and change it, and become well. but Wooden Boy was one of those things, when I heard it back, the, the style of playing that Mark has, it, to mine is very different, so, he was playing effectively my drum parts in his style. So <laughs> right, to me, yeah. it was a little alien listen, listening to it. Yeah, very um, weird. But, but interesting, an interesting perspective, anyway, for me anyway. Anyway, Wooden Boy was one of the, my point being, Wooden Boy was also another kind of at the driving inspired style song. Yeah. Not that you probably know it, listen to it but to us as three individuals, that's what we thought of when we were playing that
1: song we oh, thought oh it absolutely oh absolutely when, when, you're, when you're in a band you, you know you, you, you have that but you, you're kind of the only people who ever know that because to the external listener it's it, you, they'd never derive that from it
4: yeah it's like when I look in the mirror I see Brad Pitt <laughs> but when people
1: look at me they don't see Brad Pitt they, they see Guy Davis <laughs> yeah. yeah so
4: it's kind of like that
1: um, well well so where we, where were you at with um where were you at with um uh very fast very dangerous then because I mean I personally I think I I think that's um and again you know just personally but I think that's where you peaked I mean I and I I've said this before and I'll say it again and I'll even say it to your face if I ever see you I think I think that is probably for me that is in the top 3 strongest UK rock albums of the entire decade Oh wow! Thank you uh, very much. No, not at all. I mean, I, I think it's it is still to this day. It is an album that I will buy a copy of a CD to give to a friend if they haven't heard it. Um, and I, I, I'm constantly. It's, it's so massively underrated. Uh, I mean, there's 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 two or three, you know, uh, air quotes. Top twenty, top ten singles on it. I mean, it, and 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 such variety as well. I mean, I really do think it's uh, it's mm. it's a work of just absolute pure art. It's fantastic. No,
4: well, thank you very much. That's really nice to hear. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of where we were, at, uh, we were listening to stuff like Weezer. Probably, uh, um, I was trying to think uh, what else we were into pick up another note I have them now and remember. Yeah, Like okay, so like Queens of the Stone Age, Weezer, um, Earth Tone
2: Nine. Right, yeah.
4: Uh, those sorts of bands we were listening to. Um, Ursa, uh, an awesome band. Uh, I think, I forget where they were from. I want to say a Kingston-based band. I could be completely wrong, but Ursa were just an incredible band. I don't think you can hear Ursa anywhere on digital, anywhere like Spotify. I think I've got a CD in front of me called Copper Eight, which is just awesome. Three tracks are just awesome, um, and uh, that kind of stuff. Really, I mean, we each I mean, they were kind of banned. Like Ruben, in, when we were in the, in the tour bus together, we would listen to those bands. Like shared yeah you know um bands we all enjoyed there yeah. were also other bands that we all individually like separately I mean Jamie goes to extremes and like you know at that time was into all sorts of uh, like super heavy stuff and I'm um, probably the other way listen to more kind of electronic kind of uh, square pusher I think twin like non rock stuff um and then like John kind of more like uh, yeah you're like you're Weezers and yeah. um, stuff like that. So, so I, yeah, I guess that was the kind of stuff we were listening to. I think Very Fast, Very Dangerous, uh, we recorded with Chris Sheldon. Um, we were not super... It wasn't the, the vision we had for it to sound like it does.
2: Right. Like okay.
4: it sounds... It's mixed in quite a clean, poppy... Yeah. uh nice way. Yeah. That it, it I think at least I know Jamie always thinks it should have been more the way our third album in mean, Nothing be Trust sounded in terms of sonically a, a being a bit, a bit, bit more, more a bit raw. more dent,
1: a bit more dense, a bit more underground. He 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 actually likened it to
4: or the production he wanted it to be like Weezer's Pinkerton. Right. So he wanted that trashy drum sound and like just Dirty guitars and stuff, and it's the opposite.
1: But I have to, I have um, to say, I have to say, as a listener, uh I'm so glad he didn't get his way. um And yeah,
4: uh, well, I, I kind of disagree with Jamie on that because I, I, we kind of like different things, but we cross over. And like, I, I like what he was saying, but I don't think I like it for those songs.
1: Yeah yeah I, I no I completely agree because I think i mean when I heard a kick in the mouth and saw the video for the first time it was like having you know got the first album be waiting for the i i was oh it was kind of like hands across hand hand across the mouth time I was just kind of like wow, this is next level shit you know you've 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 just you've 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 progressed hugely um, and, 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 I think, and, you know, again I, again, I think part of that was the sound. The sound was no longer, we recorded this in a garage. The sound was, we're a fucking real solid rock band.
4: Mm. It's, it's interesting what different people like, because uh, it's funny hearing you say that, but to me, um, well, I, I do like it. I, to me, it sounds a little like a demo. <laughs> <laughs> I find, well, the problem is, right, I, I'm not a massive fan of the bass sounds. I think it sounds really kind of woolly. And that's probably the main I don't. I'm not a massive fan of the drum sound, to be honest. Uh, uh, I think it's okay. It just sounds a bit, it doesn't sound natural enough for me. And uh, the guitars are okay. I don't have a problem with the
1: guitar so much. But,
4: well, actually, no, the guitars. I mean they're a
1: little
4: waspy so you know there, there we go there's
1: three criticisms right, yeah yeah but so basically hang on hang on we've through let's go back across that you're not so you don't like the guitar sound the drum sound or the bass or the bass sound so
4: this is the thing you ask anyone <laughs> in a band what they think of their rec- own records and yeah. they'll always criticize
1: it oh they'll absolutely be happy. oh absolutely i mean i i I fucking hate our first album but there you go you know there's there's it's out there and you know it's it's people's first album they ever bought and all the rest of it and you know nothing i say really matters to be honest and and my opinion doesn't matter it's you know the minute the minute you walk out the studio and you finished work and you finished the final mix the minute it gets released it's not your album anymore
4: yeah i mean that's yeah that's it you just get fucking shed loads of of opinions and (laughs) people love it and people hate it and you've changed man Mm. yes (laughs) yeah for me I've always been like whatever I just make the music we like and uh, the bit I like about being in a band is being in that little square box room and coming up with the songs yeah and just jamming them out in a room really loud just three of us in a room and that's it that's the bit I like about being in a band um then you go to a studio and you try and replicate that and make it you know record it, and then it gets released, and then other people listen to it and then it's like it's out there it's theirs. and I think when it when it's kind of at kind of past your practice room and it's gone out there and been recorded, and people can listen to it, I think at that point um you've got to switch off and just move on because
1: it's yeah. there's nothing you can do <laughs> uh, yeah absolutely and then and then uh, moving on to um moving on to the uh, the third album, um, in Nothing We yeah. Trust, which funnily enough, In Nothing We Trust is um is actually a pre th- those very words is actually a pre chorus in um uh in an Acid Rain album from nineteen eighty nine. So um, so we've even got that in common. But anyway, uh, from, <laughs> uh, uh, um yeah, moving moving on. Yeah, so I mean I, actually there was there was a point I wanted to make um because we will obviously come on to the demise of Ruben, um and I, I I even on that second album I had a funny feeling that I was going to have to make the most of every single song I got from you guys um the the lyrics to return of the jedi I thought were quite portentous I just thought yeah there's there there's I don't know it just kind of hinted at there maybe not being a a a, a huge career <clears throat>
4: I, I remember being in the studio uh, either demoing or recording the first album and having the conversation, Jamie saying, we should only ever make one album. And then, yeah, I think it was like, this should be our only album. We should break up after this album, after race "Racecar" back.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so did you and, so uh, was because, that? Because it's, it's
4: like the best bands do that. They, they make one album and they fuck off. Was, was that? And, but was
1: that? Was that a mindset? Was that a mindset and an attitude that you that you had to work with for for, for the next two albums as well? I mean, you know, were you were the two of you kind of trying to constantly well, drag that, Jamie back to the that band? Comment
4: that comment Jamie made always uh, was at the back of my mind. Like I'd always think, oh, maybe this will be the last one because I know he didn't really want to make more than one album initially, and then. Um, we start playing live and then there's the whole, you get a press team involved and a label and they want you to promote. And then, oh, you've got the momentum going now. So we've got to get that second album recorded and out. And, and and then you kind of get sucked into the whole process of, and the cycle. You're on the treadmill. Of um, of writing, recording, releasing, touring, that cycle. And, uh, and then it kind of, I just guess it got forgotten until the end of album three, and then, I guess, uh, touring, and then it got to the point... Well, we'll get you on to why the demise of Ruben there, but... Yeah,
2: yeah. I, so I I feel think, f- um, well, feel free. I think, I, think,
4: I think, to a certain extent, we all felt a little bit like bands generally start to suck, if not after the first album, maybe after the second or third. So, Cops, like, three albums is probably a good... You know, if, if you made three good albums, and I think we all agree in the band as band members we all agree that we're all proud of all yeah. of those three albums yeah i think we would all probably make race car track listing a bit shorter it was a, it was a long album yeah but then at that time it was long because you never thought if you'd, you'd ever get the chance to make another one so you yeah, want to absolutely yeah as you can yeah um but in hindsight we probably would have cut a lot off of it, off of it. Um, yeah, um,
1: but uh, well, no, I'm it, I'm I'm in complete agreement. I mean, you know, my my band first time round we put out three albums. That was that, that was it. And you're you're absolutely right. It, it's it is kind of like it's the triumvirate, isn't it? It's the 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 first album of songs that you've already had written anyway. The second album are is is songs that. You know, you're going to the next level, and they come out either like you know, while you're on the road promoting the first album, stuff like that, and that's easy. The third album is the one where you go, right? Actually, do you know what? We can seriously lay some shit down here. We've we've got, you know, we we we've got we've raised the bar with the second album, and and you kind of all of your sort of focus and creative goes into that. And then, in my opinion, it's it's the fourth album where you've really got a chance to to absolutely <clears> suck.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, um, We 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 were writing music for a fourth album, right? Um, Well, well. Let me
1: let me stop you there. We had we had a good
4: handful. We were practicing all the time. We were rehearsing. We were doing rehearsals before we broke up and just playing through a whole host of new stuff. And one of them was my one of my. In fact, one of them we had for quite some time. I think we even had it back when before we did the third album there was a song that we we even played in soundcheck a couple of times on the Billy Talent tour so Billy Talent were in soundcheck <laughs> and they would have heard one of these new songs uh in, in that soundcheck and there's no record of it there's a, there's a demo uh like a you know demo program drugs drums and stuff of it which actually is is really corrupt and breaks up and stuff and is, isn't great
1: right. but
4: um we never record it as shank because it's probably
1: one of my favorite Ruben songs but uh... <laughs> well, that, that's typical God, though is it? Law, isn't it well it, well actually and and I want to pick you up on something you said there because you you know you actually said when we broke up and i mean i remember at the time when it all happened and it it it, it never it, 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 you know that phrase was never used there was a nice message on the website it was all kind of like you know and and I mean, even on your even on your Wikipedia, it says like you know when Ruben went into hiatus, and there there was net. There just ne- There was never that definitive statement that said we've had a good run, we're splitting up, thanks a lot, goodbye, and yeah. and and then and then obviously the uh, we should have gone to university. Ha ha ha. Um, <laughs> com- compilation came out, um, yeah. and and it was kind of like right, okay, so so ba- so basically this compilation album is that statement. This is the, there is no more. This is the, we're, we're done. You know? Yeah, yeah. And it, yeah see, it, no, seemed typic, it seemed, typic, um, it seemed we, typically rude. At the time, right? we,
4: we, had a, we had a meeting.
1: and. Uh, oh, you do though, in bands, you have meetings all the time, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> we had one with Jamie
4: at his house. Yeah, um, and uh, actually Barney, our manager, called us up and said, uh, you know, I think we need a meet up Jamie at James', James house, and he's got something. I think he wants to tell you guys and stuff. So, oh. um, and uh, so we had a meeting. Um, we, yeah, Jamie just expressed really he, he he needed to to stop doing it for for a number of reasons, which are personal, and I and I don't really want to yeah, go no, into that. Cause no, I wouldn't. Yeah, it, it, it is personal. So, um, but uh, we all uh, we all kind of you know. Uh, Agreed. That was probably the best thing for him and for everyone, really, to, to 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 leave it there. He, he was finding it, I think, very difficult um, to do the band just with real life. I think it was just yeah. life. Life has to continue, and bands get in the way because when you're doing a band, when you're in you know your kind of late teens and early twenties. You can kind of find ways and get away and do it. And you can, you know, work temp jobs and part oh, yeah. time here and there and yeah. live at your mum and dad's house. And you get into your late 30s and, and approaching the 30s, you really feel like, oh, I'm not, you know, my friends are getting married, having children and owning houses, you know, and mortgages and owning houses and whatever. And building careers and we just you just start to feel left behind yeah and um it's a very kind of daunting sense and realization that shit, although we're having you know we're doing what we've always wanted to do um <coughs> at the same time we know it's not going to last forever and what happens next you know in, in life we're going to be really behind everyone else and i know we've had different experiences and you know then then your average person who kind of goes to college and university and then you know graduates and goes you know gets a great job and marries and house and all that stuff yeah but um and like you know but then they haven't had the whole kind of music experience which which a lot of people kind of dream about and 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 when you get to live that a little bit it's um you don't want to kind of give that up very easily but when it gets to your when you, get to your kind of late 20s, uh, mid-late 20s, you start to think about it a lot more. And uh, I think that really came James' attention a lot more than, or sooner than it did to uh, Minor or John. So yeah. it, 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 it was, someone would, would have had to say, you know, say something at some point um, or at least tone it down or whatever. But um, I think it was very difficult. Uh, I think there's a lot of stress. We never really took any breaks from the band so it was always very continuous yeah you know um if we weren't touring or recording or making an album we were practicing every week um writing new songs and uh you know jamie had a lot of other things going on illustration and you know he was married and you know had a relationship and have a, you know he's married now and, yeah. happily and that's all great but uh, you know i'm just saying the point being he he had a lot more things going on in his life Whereas um, I was quite happy with the band being my main thing, but I didn't have other things going on in my life like maybe Jamie did. So,
2: um,
4: you know, I had time for it and made time for it. Whereas, uh, yeah, I think that became more and more difficult for Jamie. So, I think Jamie needed to stop it. And uh, John and I were kind of reluctant to 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 break up. Um, We didn't want to kind of. Leave it like that. We wanted to leave, at least leave um, some kind of open door to, to Jamie to say look, if you change your mind, you know, in a couple of years, you know, you've had a bit of a break because we never had a break. Yeah, you know, have a break and then maybe see how you feel in a year or two. Even if it's just a case of getting back in a room and just playing three mates together in a room. Yeah, you know, we don't have to go out and be public and record and play live. Just the three of us in a room is. Really, the essence of what I like about being in the band is just really awesome. It's well, an awesome well, look, experience gar- making gar- music with, with, your, with your mates.
1: Well, look, going. Gar- um, speaking of somebody who has just come back after twenty-five years, believe you and me, I, I really, I really hope um, that that you that the three of you do get together, and whether it is public or not, but you know. I don't know. It'd be great. It'd be great to see. It'd be great to see you guys. You know, at, li- at least go back and I don't know. Maybe maybe do a couple of shows one time. But you know, it, life has a funny way of of coming back around. Yeah,
4: and I, I think the, the other thing is we all, we all we all talk still uh, occasionally, and we meet, meet up and uh, hang out occasionally. Not very much, like once or twice a year, kind of thing. Um, but there's always that thing on the back, back of your mind because so many bands come back and they do, like, nostalgia tours and, and or, like, Smashing Pumpkins were very uh, keen on making a point. They weren't a nostalgia band. They would come back and continue making music yeah. uh, as a, a band that, would you know, had continued on rather than a, a band that had kind of come back, you know, not like a Rage Against the Machine that's come back and is going to play a few festivals and play their biggest hits and whatever, you know. yeah. Uh, and I think that would probably want to be the approach we we would want to take as individuals. I think we all feel like we won't, wouldn't want to come back as a nostalgia act.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, but, but some, then, yeah, but sometimes the public uh, don't let you because. But what the, what the public want is they want to hear those songs again. That's what. Yeah, they Yeah, and
4: and the thing is, like, I I don't like that. Like, that's the bit that kind of maybe keeps us from wanting to come back is is there's the ruben fan base is so loyal but they're also super intense and one one one
1: yes <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and, yeah yeah uh,
4: and I, it's not i don't like that pressure um it's not it's just I, I don't know i just don't like it um i like to be in control and and uh, feel comfortable with what i'm doing and i don't uh, I think uh I would find it quite stressful, or you know, yeah. probably cause me anxiety to <laughs> deal with that. And I think um, that's just me. I, then there's John and Jamie's opinions and their thoughts on it. But I think maybe as a band, we we um, we're, ha- we're, we're super happy with the legacy we've kind of left. Yeah, uh, we're happy we've left the legacy at all. We think it's amazing <laughs> whenever we discuss it that you know people still remember, let alone you know, listen and uh, still rejoice in the, in the band's music and, and you know, um, so, look, it's amazing because even there's so many people who, who you hear, oh, I love, you, love your band, I got into you after you broke up. I mean, there's so many people. Ah, uh, like
1: yes, that feeling, that story, yeah. Like, I only yeah. got into you after you broke up. And
4: you're like, wow. Yeah. I mean, if you only were around when we were around, Maybe the band would have been stronger and be, been able to <laughs> financially be more able to support ourselves, oh, and then maybe that would have kept
1: us going a bit longer. Oh, but... Mate, 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 you're talking my language. When we when we when we played in October, somebody said, uh, somebody said, I've never seen you before, and I was like, well, well, thanks a lot. Maybe if people like you had come to see us back then, we wouldn't have had to fucking break up.
4: You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's,
1: um, I know exactly that feeling of people because the thing is, when you split the band, you split the band and that's it. You're done from that minute on. It's, it's, it, you're looking back. That's the past. And what you don't realize is that, yeah, people, people are out there discovering you after you've split up and stuff like that. And, and it is, it is an utterly bizarre feeling because you only have your perspective, obviously, but, but your perspective is, right, it's done. So you yeah. just move on. And, and I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I've, I've been, you know, I've had that same experience and, and it is, it is very, very strange, but it, it's funny you were saying about the three of you still meet up and everything. It's that there will always be that bond because only the three of you know what it's like only the three of you experienced it only the three of you went. you are the only three people in the world who can identify with what you went through and and that is a bond that will last years
4: actually i would i would um want to correct that a little bit and make it four people because barney our manager was always very much the fourth member of the band and was always there and um and still is you know um and he's he's still a great friend of all of ours and uh, he's always been been there, and I think he went through he went through all the, all of the struggles with us. So he he's the fourth guy. He knows exactly what we've we've been through because he's been through it too, just yeah. from a different perspective.
1: Well, I, I and and that does come across in the DVD actually. That you know he's um yeah. he, he's very very passionate about the band, and um uh and I, so what so what would have been the career highlight then? Would it would it have been download? You had the breakfast shift there, if I remember rightly.
4: <laughs> yeah, download. Um, that was a weird one, that. which we played three or four times. I, I, I think, well, I think maybe three times. We uh, yeah, and that last time we, we did it, we uh,
1: you were main stage, weren't you?
4: Played the main stage, which was just uh, well, it kept me it kept me up at night. Um, <laughs> and I think we found out I don't know, like four or five months before, and uh, I just would have not sleepless nights, but like when you're lying in bed and you're just perspiring because. When you're thinking about what you know, what songs you're going to play, and then thinking it through, you end up perspiring because you're almost head <laughs> drumming. Yes, you know, or yeah. kind of thinking about it so much. It just, it, I don't know if it maybe it's a slightly stressful situation to go through months of anticipation and anxiety because it's a pretty big deal, especially for a band like Ruben that, although we had, you know we had such a kind of a a following, we weren't a very big band uh, really in terms of we wouldn't play big places we were playing you know at best we were playing kind of large clubs um, and playing you know at best if we were headlining maybe to a thousand people Um, but typically you know I'd say on average our shows would have been maybe like 500 600 people even that may you know not all the time may have been 300 you know but so to, to go to, like, download, was without really any other festival... We've done festivals, but never a main stage. I don't think we would ever played a main stage at any festival. So um, it was a, a very different feel. Uh, and because you've got that anticipation, because you've seen other bands do it from a TV perspective, you don't really have that first-hand experience, so you don't know what what to expect so much. So you've got that first-time... Uh, kind of nerves for for that start. Gig. Yeah, and really, yeah, really. I mean, I woke up in the travel lodge at six uh, in the morning uh, uh, to get ready to go off to the site and set up. Kind <laughs> this the, 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 the and, you know, I, it was early. I just woke up in like sweat, thinking, "Shit, this is it," and I can't back out now. I was really, I thought, "Can is it, is it? Is it? You know, is it too late to back out." Because I was just really super anxious. Um, and, uh, and then you just get there, and then you find something in you that you convert that anxiety into confidence, and then do it. And, that's the, that's you know, the power either it of it. works, the, or you fucking yeah. find out and just play the shittest gig of your life. I actually, looking back at it, I don't think they were great. Um, it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it, but I, I mean, if I watch the footage or listen to it, it's... It, um, we weren't at our best. I mean, we've had better. We've played better for sure. But, um, but as a career highlight, um, I, yeah, that that would definitely come up. That would uh, ring a, you know, light bulb would come up or ring a bell, you, know, and, you yeah. know, like download main stage definitely.
1: Um, well, I well I was there. Um, I was I was at your show when you recorded the live DVD as well. Um, and and that was that was an outstanding night.
4: Thank you. Yeah, I mean that was that was good. I actually. Whenever I think of that DVD, I think, do you know what? The next time we played London Astoria 2, or it was me and Fiddler when we did the, It was uh, me and Fiddler when we did the DVD, but it actually yeah. renamed back to the London Astoria 2,
2: Yeah.
4: when we played it uh, the next time, I think on the Nothing We Trust tour. That was probably the best tour and maybe one of the best shows we'd ever played in terms of technically we were playing very, very well, like... In terms of the song speed, how you know how quickly we were playing stuff, how well we were playing, I think we executed it as a band like bloody well. I was like so pleased with that tour um, because we listened. You know, I'd listened back to live recordings and gone, "Shit, we play that too quick," and oh, "Man, I messed up that too much." And I just think we became like definitely reached another level. I did as a drummer feel like on that third album, it really pushed me another level to become better and more confident and competent. Um, at what I was doing and I felt like that tour was amazing so I wish that was the one that was recorded for the DVD rather than <laughs> the one that is on the DVD which um, is a little little shoddy in places but it's good vibes and people like it and it's, it yeah in. but
1: it's it's the vibes though it, what it does is it captures it captures that that the that essence of you live I mean it's really weird just talking to you now I can I can actually remember the night I remember exactly where I was stood and I mean it's, I saw you tons of times I saw you I saw you do the um I saw you supporting Billy Talent I saw you do the um the Islington um uh, the Islington Academy um I saw you downstairs the LA when with that one um yeah tons of times and uh, but i still there's, an,
4: there's like another uh live video i think on youtube of us playing um kilburn kilburn in london uh yeah. i can't remember the name, the name of the venue uh, we were playing it was like an extra mile night and it was like reuben and million dead yeah and if you youtube that kilburn um reuben kilburn uh, Lum- luminaire i think it was called. um That's like another, I think it's the entire gig. Oh, uh, right. From the uh, side of the stage. And that's probably, I think that's 2004. And that gives you yet another perspective on our live, what we were like live and the vibes at that time. So I think it's different from DVD, which was 2006. In those two years, I think there was a different vibe. I really like the vibe of both of those gigs, uh, but they're different. And I think there's, there's always been like, Moments in in Reuben where you have come to see us live and you've had a good vibes, but they've been different kind of good vibes, and uh, kind of I don't know, like some interesting kind of uh,
1: perspective. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely, absolutely. And I, I mean, I still remember the first time. I, I I remember the first time I saw you. I remember the first song. I can't remember what the song was, but um, I was kind of not far from the front. And Jamie started singing, and I just remember the shock of the fact that absolutely everybody around me was singing, and I I was just, I was like, "What the fuck is this? This is mad! This is fucking mad! I can barely hear the band, you know."
4: and and that that was one of the most amazing things about Reuben shows is is I I do remember hearing the crowds and yeah. uh, yeah, they were they were loud, and it was, it was amazing to see so many people sing back the words, which is embarrassing because I don't know half of them. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you sat that, but you sat sat at the back behind a pile of wood. You know why would you?
4: Yeah, I just feel like uh, maybe I'm some kind of. Dude on the drums, he's like, yeah, whatever.
2: <laughs> There's
4: these people who just love your band and the drummer's like,
1: yes, yeah, all right. <laughs> well, actually, do you know what? Speaking of uh, going, going again, higgledy-piggledy all over the place. Speaking of drums again, and um, um, it's it, obviously the new Billy Talent album, which I haven't forgotten. I'll send you. Is um, of course, it's a different drummer, which is obviously yeah a real a real yeah. shame. I mean, Aaron's just had a really bad time of it. Yeah,
4: uh, uh, um, Aaron. Uh, even back when we were playing was, uh, was struggling. Um, wow. I mean, he was, he was amazing live. He put on, you know, he performed great every night. You yeah. just wouldn't know. But I mean, behind he, he, you know, he said, Oh, that was a tough one tonight. You know, I was like, really? You, you're amazing. And he struggled with, um, uh, MS for some years. Yeah, And, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's, it's, uh, really saddened me. Um, uh, to, to see that statement he put up uh, a few months ago oh, maybe it was, last it, year
1: or some point. Uh, the one on YouTube? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. it was heartbreaking. Um, I was
4: just heartbreaking. felt really, really uh, upset for him. Because, you know, he to get to the point where you've got to tell your band, I can't do this right now, I can't play the drums well enough, you know, at the moment because of my condition, um, I just that must be absolutely heart wrenching for him, and I really felt for him. I do really feel for him on that, and uh, I think he's still very much um, being around the band, and he's taking photographs and trying to be involved. and And uh, it's nice to see that he is being involved and keeping yeah. himself busy. and um, and, and hopefully, it, we'll see him get back on on the saddle. Um, but yeah I, I little, uh, yeah, I was a little yeah, I was very kind of upset that it got to that point. But I think, um, you know, maybe, maybe, it was kind of, going to happen at some point. I don't, I don't know. So, hopefully, hopefully he'll get back on and I wish him all the, all the best. Yeah,
1: no, I I really hope so too. I mean, and, and, and fair, fair play to the guy who stepped in as well, whose name escapes me. Um, but, because um, my, my connection to Billy Tan is, uh, is a guy called Stilly, who um, was the younger brother of, um, the Acid Rain, uh, one of Acid Rain's guitarists, Kev, and he started out crewing for us because, you know his brother was in the band, and he's he's been in the business ever since. And um, uh, and he's been he was Aaron he's been Aaron's drum tech for years. And um, he, uh, the new guy who's come in has, has has said, well, no, you know, um, he has his own guy normally, but he wants to use the guy that Aaron used to use to keep the chemistry of the crew all together and everything else, which I think is a really lovely touch. Oh,
4: that's great. Yeah, that's Isn't really it? nice.
1: It's, well they're a they're a family that lot. I mean they've you know they've been playing since they were kids. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. crazy. So any so anyway guy, we Freeze the Atlantic. I mean I can't you know if if there's any if there's any members of Freeze the Atlantic listening to this interview, they're gonna give you a right kick in. <laughs> like Jesus, dude! You didn't mention the band. You mentioned us fucking you once. Some
4: time, man. Yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> for, for guy, let it go. Ruben is split up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the bane of everyone's lives. Is Ruben? Oh, Ruben! This and that. Really, it's been
4: like, I, um, uh, Freeze Atlantic's been going as long as I was in Ruben. Yeah,
1: I know you've been going eight years, and yet people are still like, oh, Reuben. <laughs> so, so, yeah. I, I'm pretty relaxed about it, so I don't
4: mind. Um, yeah, no, I... I the I, other guys, Jesus
1: Christ, they must hate me. <laughs> I, oh, oh it, it would, it would, an- well, yeah, it would annoy the fuck out of me, I've got to be honest. If I was in that, in that band you, would be like, Jesus fucking Christ, you know. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, just get Reuben back together and we'll support you, for fuck's sake. Um, but, but it was... Um, uh, I mean, yeah, you've been together eight years. Is it? Is it? A, is it a full-time commitment? You know, what are you? What are you doing with yourself as uh, as well as for Atlantic?
4: Yeah. So the big thing that happened in our lives after Ruben was basically, well, for me, uh, probably more uh, was it was a role reversal uh, where the weighting of my life changed so, rather than priorities being banned. And then work coming secondary. Um, that flipped round. Uh, yeah. Uh, to become work would be my primary focus, and building a kind of a standard life. And then band would become secondary. And I wasn't in a band. I I, I had no band after Ruben, Re- and and I thought that would be fine for a couple of months. And then I really missed missed it. Yeah. And uh, so, but but uh, essentially just glazing over that for the, for the minute, uh, it was important to basically flip everything around, make music, only I was always going to make music, so, but just in a different capacity and make it more of a hobby. Yeah. That yeah. was the primary thing. And, and But having the benefit of having uh, the experience that we had in Ruben, taking that with me and taking everything to that kind of standard, um, but in my, in my kind of smaller hobbies. Would, hobbyist band which would, is Freeze Atlantic and we which, also you know, you that, say, that uh, the approach is, is the approach is no different it's yeah. just we I think all of our lives are so much better and rounded now as well you know there's no working crappy jobs and you know everyone's building decent lives for themselves and we get to be in the band and yeah. and, and the thing is everyone else who's in Freeze Atlantic um you know, he's also got this kind of background of being in bands and have that, having that
1: experience. Yeah, I mean, Well, um, yeah, because all... you've all you've all had that. You've all had that work band struggle, and and you you've you know you you've hit a point where it's kind of like one or the other. Um, uh, one thing I did want to ask you though was was after Ruben um, having you know having been like you said in that cycle for so long. It must have been awful. I mean, it must have been like being, you know, like breaking up and, you know, literally waking yeah. up the following day and thinking, "I'm not, you know, there's no fucking band." Jesus fucking Christ, one, you know, this is yeah. horrible. What the fuck do you do? Yeah, what, yeah. What is life? Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. It's like it's like I I I. You know, yesterday I was Guy Davis, drummer in Ruben. Today I am just Guy Davis. What the fuck? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
4: No, today yeah. I am Guy Davis who was in Ruben. Yeah. <laughs> Go, oh, yeah. your guy Davis from Reading.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I remember them. What do you mean? Oh God, yeah, no, it's it's. It, it, I mean, did it take you a couple? I mean, or did you? Uh, what I wanted to say was, you were you kind of like on the rebound? Did you kind of like bury yourself in mm. a job? I am going to get into a job. I am going to bury myself in a job and a career, <laughs> and, and try and shut the band out, and then music just kept calling. Or you know, how did it work?
4: Well, it was uh, quite a. Pressing time. I mean, yeah. Uh, I didn't know what to do. Uh, I came home after that meeting, having agreed we were going to disband or you know take a hiatus. Um, and I mean, Jamie wanted to disband, but obviously John and I were the ones that said, uh, let's you know take it, just call it a hiatus and leave ourselves open to poss- possibly getting back together at some point. Yeah, I, I think. Jamie just kind of accepted, just to say, Let's "Get the fuck out of my house." <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh sorry, brain fart. Um, That's
1: all right.
4: So, so I was, I went home and I was kind of, yeah, I was super upset. Um As you say, it's a bit like a, a relation break, re- yeah. relationship breakup.
2: Yeah, you've been uh, chucked. And I you went been home basically and I been
4: I absolutely. <laughs> poured my eyes out. I, I, well, I kind of saw my parents because I was at, li- living with my parents at the time. Yeah. So I went back in his late night and said, "Oh, how did it go?" And I just, just broke up. Yeah. Into tears, and um, I didn't expect to. It was just a knee jerk reaction. I. Yeah. I felt like I was okay on the way home. But obviously, emotionally inside, uh, it, uh, yeah, it obviously caught up with me, and um, I just <laughs> like, what do I do?
1: Well I, 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 I think I was literally you,
4: you, had no idea. I felt yeah. so low um, because it's all we have done for all that time. Yeah, and you know it's, we were growing up. I didn't really have any other experiences, and I uh, felt very lost and lonely and uh, kind of afraid. Really, um, I'm
1: not surprised.
4: So, but then you know, with some encouragement from uh, from my parents, to you know. Change my perspective and think about earning proper money and getting a life together um, completely made sense. I just, it was difficult to get my mind around it because yeah. it was trained to being in a band. Yeah. So, logically, what they were saying was correct and I could understand that it was correct. I just found it difficult to, uh, to comprehend and action it.
1: Well, yeah, so, because well, you become you become almost institutionalized in a band, you know. You, you kind of, you know, you you just get yeah. you just get used to that's the way it is, and all of a sudden, it's not the way it is anymore.
4: Uh, I was, yeah, I, I went from being kind of very kind of confident, you know, uh, kind of uh, having good times and fun, and to to being very kind of insecure and anxiety and just like scared (laughs) for a shriveling mess
2: because
4: it was just like oh my god what's happening Um, so so what happened after that well in the the next kind of couple of months I kind of didn't play drums and I think uh, uh, John was even to the point where I think he may have got ready to sell everything um, and was going to stop playing bass and that was it for John and uh, the funny thing is I I've uh, luckily been supported by um, Sona, uh, German drum makers, yeah. Sona, for all this time, and they just made me this brand new drum kit, and it was just ironic that it arrived like a month after we broke up.
1: Oh, fuck I get this me. big
4: lorry turn up to my house, oh,
1: no. unload
4: this brand spanking new beautiful drum kit, oh. and I've got no fucking band. <laughs> yeah. And I just it I was on one hand like, Oh my god, this is the best thing ever. Oh my god, I can't play it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You don't know whether, to play, you don't know whether to play it or take a sledgehammer to it.
4: Oh man, I was so upset. It was the most beautiful thing and, and uh uh I had no band. So and anyway, I was getting a lot of um messages uh from Surprisingly, it really surprised me. I was getting quite a few messages from different bands through, I think, MySpace at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, saying, uh, would I be able to do a session for them? Would I be able to join them? You know, we're looking for a drummer and, you know, we've heard about Ruben and Russo, you know, would you want to be our drummer and all this kind of stuff? And I had some really cool bands that kind of wanted me to play drums for them. And I was like, this is amazing. But I can't make it work because they can't pay me. I can't. Yeah. It won't work financially. I mean, yeah. I'd love to play in all, all of these bands but it's not, just isn't financially possible for me to do it if I'm, if I'm to, to take this route or getting a steady income together. Yeah. Um, so, but one opportunity came up and it was a guy called Sean Shreve um, who was in a band called Spectrum 7 who um, so, uh, were kind of a local band uh, who I kind of I knew the name uh, but and we'd crossed paths a couple of times but we didn't really know him stuff but I didn't really know him and uh, he said that we're uh, changing drummers and want to see if uh, you want to try out and stuff and um, he sent me some demos and I really liked it um, kind of uh, three piece with like samples, like computer samples, yeah. like uh, 8-bit kind of stuff. And um, I really liked it. So I learned these these tracks and we went along. I went to the, the same rehearsal studio that um, Raven practiced in for years, a place called the Rooms Rehearsal Studios in, in um, North Camp. And uh, we went there and I had my drum kit. So it was the first time I was gonna play my new drum kit with the band. So I was super excited uh, to get playing music again but also playing my new drums as well. So um, I was like, yes, finally, there's a reason <laughs> I've got these drums as well. Oh, that's um, awesome. So,
1: huh? That's awesome. That's I, that's awesome. like, yeah, uh, it's great, yeah.
4: So, um, so that was really cool. And I was filling in uh, for a couple of months and we did uh, we did the show in London and and that was really cool. And um, up in, I think it was like an all-day thing and Frank Turner was there, so it was nice to bump into Frank again and... Um, I'll be playing with this other band, and it was the first time I, I didn't know really what to expect. But it was quite a quite small, small kind of gig, so I wasn't too nervous about people kind of judging and coming along. And no, I didn't—I don't think really people knew I was playing, so <clears throat> there was no kind of uh, nothing to be anxious about. Really, I just got up and played with these guys and uh, had a really good time. So, so that kind of got me past or through a couple of months. Uh, in in this is kind of mid two thousand and eight because I think Ruby broke up in May, and then maybe kind of this is like maybe August time, August, and then um, I got a message from in September that year. I got a message from Andy uh, Andy Gilmore, um, bass player from Hundred Reasons. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he kind of we all kind of live in similar areas, so and and kind of all kind of grew up uh in terms of bands grew up together in a way in terms of we, we all kind of played similar gigs together and toured and whatever so yeah. um john and jamie i think you knew, knew the guys from hr a, a bit on a personal basis than i ever did but um uh andy said look i'm looking at doing like a i wanted to start a side project for a long time now, where I'm going to play guitar instead, because he actually, I think his first instrument was guitar. He he only played bass uh, because he had to, and hundred reasons because they, they couldn't find another bass player. Right. So that's why he ends up being the awesome bassist he is. But he, his first instrument was guitar, so he, he was desperate to get a new band where he's playing guitar, and so he. But he needed a, a bassist and a drummer, and obviously to him the obvious option was to give me and John a call. Yeah. Uh, when he heard that room lit up. So in September, um, he kind of put this notion to us, do, do we want to uh, get together and have a jam? Again, down the same rehearsal uh, space I was talking about with um, Beck and my room news practice, and uh, so he got that kind of familiar ground. Yeah, And um, yeah, we got together, and uh, John was like, wow, I was just about to sell all my basses and <laughs> stuff, but we'll give this a go. And we wrote like one of our... We wrote a whole song in the first practice we had together, just the three of us, wow. and that is actually on the first Free Atlantic album. a song called "La Track Premiere." Oh, that's awesome! I think it's just—I think it's just called "La Track" on the album, but it was for a long time. just called "La Track Premiere." Um <laughs> 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 but um, yeah, and then and then we decided that was awesome. because we had another guitar just to fill it out a bit more, and then we got uh, uh, mutual friend uh, Tom Stevens in. Who used to play guitar in um, another band locally called Archie and the Instincts? Yeah, and they did like uh, they won like an XFM competition years ago and got to record with um, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, My mind went Steve Albini. It wasn't Steve Albini. It was um, (laughs) oh god, really great producer. He did a lot of the Manic
1: stuff.
4: Oh god, hang on. I'm going to
1: look him up. Uh, I do because it's not. But that's not. That's not my area of expertise. The Maddox. Uh, uh,
4: but he's done certainly. I mean, I particularly like him because he did a band called Ingarica, which was a band that Ruben toured with um, at one point. Uh, I'm going to get this his name.
1: <laughs> man. Man looks up name of producer. <laughs> During interview, yeah, this is the this is the pause. This it, is it, will, it
4: will come back to me, but uh, I'm looking at the credits and bloody not on it. The one album I pick up and he's, he's not. Ah, damn it, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so Archie and Six got to record with a source and producer, and yeah, uh, and, and and so Tom joined the band, and we had another practice like a couple of weeks later, and Freeze Atlantic was really born, and uh, we we spent like. Two years trying to find singers. It was really it was a big struggle trying to find a singer um, because we all lived fairly local to each other, so it was possible for the band to get together and, and practice and write music, but to, to find a singer that was local, that was, you know, decent and up for the kind of music we wanted to make and just, it was tough call. Cool. So we went to, we had quite a few different people try out. But um, it was a long, long journey, an interesting one. There's a big
1: old story in there, in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, there is. It, it, it kind of like yeah, because I've I've I know the, the history of Freezy Atlantic, and um, and obviously yeah, you've had guest musicians who end up being full time members, and John left, yeah. and now and then John came back, and yeah, um, yeah, it, it seems like there's kind of like a revolving door on the practice room there. of yeah. uh, you know, it's like oh, dynamic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, but that's cool, you know. You all you all know each other. You all live in the same area, and you know, everybody. And, and again, as you get older, as well, you kind of you back away from people and you let people have space. And you, because you realise the band's not the most important thing in the world, so do other people. Yeah. And you know, your ego's not wrapped up in it as much as it was before. And I, I, in many ways, I think it, it actually becomes more enjoyable. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
4: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I kind of found enjoyment in. In, in music again because I think there's a lot of it, a lot of times you, you uh, get together and practice and you're just going through the motions but you're not genuinely enjoying it and uh, I think it's just amazing sometimes when you sit down and you start playing and everyone clicks and everyone's got like a little grin on their face and they're going, that was awesome, that's yeah. really good
1: Yeah, and th- those
4: moments
1: Yeah, when you're all looking at each other and it's just unspoken you all know that what's you know that, that it's just, it, it's fucking happening right now and yeah. you know it, it's it is it's, i mean while i'm smiling while i'm while i'm saying it you know it is um uh, it, it, it's a beautiful feeling but also I, I i totally understand you know that feeling of i mean i i did stand up for 15 years and then i had a i had a 5 year sorry not 15 years i did stand up for um for 8 years and then i had a 5 year break and it was and it was just when i came back to it I, I just I was like, oh my god, I actually enjoy this because when I when yeah. I stopped doing it, I fucking hated it. Cool, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then to that's come cool. back to come back and rediscover that joy is just it's a beautiful feeling, isn't it? It is awesome. It is
4: awesome. I mean, I'm all slightly scared of taking a break long enough that if you come back, you forget how to do it.
1: But, um, <laughs> but... Oh come on, guy! Come on, that's not going <laughs> to yeah. happen. But no,
4: but the the, the great thing is how uh, breaks when you come back you often find that the first time back Fuck, I haven't played that well for ages like yes because just find a new lead yeah. in
1: life well also because you're because you're more focused and and it's like you know when it's like anything if you do something every day you know familiarity breeds contempt but if you're yeah. if you take a bit of a bit of a break and you come back you think like you're like shit i really better be on it and what that leads to is a higher level of focus than you had last time you played
4: yeah or just uh, I mean I I mean it's also just I'm going to have fun like we haven't done this for ages I can't wait to have some fun you know that's, yes, that's the kind of way I kind of approach a lot of things and I just look forward to, to playing
1: yeah absolutely so. absolutely so, so how often do you rehearse with Freeze the Atlantic then
4: well it kind of varies uh
1: or does it just depend on what you've got coming up? It
4: depends up. on what we've got coming up, you know, <laughs> what's yeah. in the pipeline. I mean, if we've got gigs coming up, then we tend to rehearse more, yeah. uh, building up to the gigs. But we, we tend, you know, in case, we tend to maybe do like four or five weeks leading up to first gig to, you know, um, brush off the cobwebs. Yes. Um, yeah. But if we're writing, well, writing can happen anytime when anyone's kind of inspired because you can demo at home yeah. and then bring it to the band in, in different ways. But, um, Uh, like at the moment I mean summer's a little different because everyone's going away on holidays and stuff but generally throughout the winter months uh, then we tend to be maybe every week getting together yeah Um, so so
1: fairly regularly how was Camden Rocks by the way?
4: uh, Camden Rocks was awesome in fact uh, just as good if not better than, than the previous year which was also incredible and we played the Dublin Castle this year and uh I don't think I've played the Dublin Castle in a band since 2002 um, with Reuben, so it was cool to go back there.
1: Yeah, oh, that's and
4: awesome. Yeah, you know, I saw lots of old friendly faces there as well, so that was nice as well. And uh, yeah, it's great. I mean, because we're, again, free um romantic is a, a funny thing where it's difficult to gauge who likes you and... How well known you are as a band—a I mean, bit like we felt like in Reuben, we didn't really know how many people liked us and what you know who knew us and stuff—and uh, it's kind of a bit like that with STA. I mean, it surprises me that people you know come along and sing our wo- you know words back to us. But we're not you know because we're a small band, effectively, and yeah. uh, it just amazes me when you've got people coming along who you know who you are and have your albums and sing along. It's like really, that's awesome. That's the best. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so uh, yeah, Camden Rocks was kick-ass. In fact, last year was so hot. <laughs> I think I prefer, personally, I preferred last year just because it was just. I mean, it was it was busy this year, but last year was just absolute stonker. Uh, it was a stink box in there. It was so sweaty and ah oh, grimy and hot and yeah, everything good,
1: everything good you want, everything you want from a from a, a venue, really. Yeah.
4: Yeah, it was awesome. Really, really good. Oh, yeah, that's
1: brilliant. good times, right? Cool, man. Well look, that that seems like um that seems like a really good place to um to, to wrap it up. We have after all been nattering for coming up for an hour and fifteen minutes. It's <laughs> um, easy, isn't it? It it is though, it is. It's very easy. And look, I'm I'm gonna um obviously I'm following you on um on Twitter and um um and i think you're following me as well so let's stay in touch i will get that yeah. billy, i'll get that billy talent album to, over to you within the next 5 minutes um, ah
4: mate that that's awesome i can't wait i'm going uh, i'm going to hit the pub now i'm going to see some friends this evening and then tomorrow I'll uh, we'll to sit on my way to work
1: <laughs> awesome great okay mate well look have a have a great evening um uh, this will be going out um uh, later this month i will uh, i'll make sure you get a link um and um and i'm going to make sure that um the uh the um ruben fans twitter account uh get a link as well um, Yeah, do, yeah yeah I, and... I did
4: actually set up a ruben twitter um last year i think at some point or maybe i can't remember when it was uh called ruben the band don't uh, yeah so don't use that because um i think i've, I've tried to disable it oh, um right. I, I only set it up to try and link uh profile picture to spotify and it just all ended up getting tipped up and I couldn't get it working. So <laughs> so uh, no worries. the problem was caught, caught, caught on to that. We had a tweet and it was like, oh, Ruben's... I was like, no. <laughs> so I tried to pull it well, I'll, yeah, well I'll, that, um try and ignore
1: it well don't worry i I'll, and I'll, I'll obviously get freeze the Atlantic in there as well and we'll um and and yeah anytime time you want to you know push any stuff where you've got anything, let me know um, and, and i'll give it a mention and um, and thank you very much for taking time out. Thank you for being so approachable on uh, on twitter and um, it's it's been a laugh i've really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed your company for this last hour and fifteen minutes thank you very much yeah
4: i've enjoyed it Thanks for getting in touch with me you know so it's, it kind of breaks
1: up uh, my standard life and makes me reminisce a bit about what i used to do and, and pleasure, pleasure pleasure talking to you thank well, you well not at all it's been it's been great and um you you're in the you're in the i'm not going to say where but you're in the surrey area aren't aren't you yeah uh
4: hampshire yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I. Well, I, to, I to be sorry, but yeah.
1: Hampshire. Ah, yeah. right. Well, well, I. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, next time I'm out that way, I'll um, I'll let you know if I'm doing a stand up or whatever. I'll let you know and come along and um. Oh, wonderful! And, yeah, and definitely. Say that'd, hi. Be,
4: that'd be brilliant. I'd love to come along.
1: Cool. Excellent. Well, lovely to talk to you, guy. Have a great evening, and um, I'll let you know when this comes out, and I'll get you that album now. Awesome. Thank you. All the best. Take care. Yeah. You too. Cheers. Cheers, bye. 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 And there you have it. There was the uh, interview with Guy Davies, which I really enjoyed. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, sorry, I'm just going to shut the door. I realise I've opened the, um, open the door again. And um, that wasn't a very good idea. Loads of outside noise. Um, I've had all sorts of technical problems, while, this, by the way, in this podcast. This has taken me a long time to do it. It doesn't normally take this long. But anyway, I, I don't know why I'm telling you. What do I want? fucking sympathy not going to get it am I anyway um, by the way that is two interviews now where people have um, uh, talked directly to you the listener so I hope you appreciate that um, and um, it, it was really cool sorry about the beeps during the interview that was um, somebody trying to get a hold of me so um, while I did the interview I was texting him saying stop fucking ringing me um, but uh, yeah it was really cool very very cool interview I cannot recommend um, the back catalogue enough um, three great albums. Um, uh, if, I mean, and also if you go to the uh, the words from Reuben website, which is still up and still active, um, it's definitely worth checking out um, some of the earlier stuff, some of the demos um, even, and you can um, uh, you can get those. There, you can download them for free. Um, but yeah, I mean, a re- really lovely guy, great band. It was great to to, to find all that stuff out, and um, and hope hopefully. Um, uh, some of you are going to check Ruben out And actually f- discover a band that are just fucking awesome um, It's not, yeah, obviously it's not it's not completely metal um, But, you know, you can listen to other stuff, you know Whilst you're listening to them, check out Billy Talent Check out some Descendants It's all good stuff um, that's, That is all good stuff um, What um, necessarily isn't all good stuff um, other comments from Dave Mustaine on the lyrics to, as you know I've mentioned this before, the um, post-American world, okay, and this is a quote I'm reading of his the song talks about how, um, how people might not like uh, the America that it is right now and people are saying, get the fuck out of my country we don't want your military presence here we don't want that, but then there's a dichotomy, at how quickly uh, how quickly do people want to move here there are so many things that have happened that have been uh, that have been good for places to have that Western mentality. But the same thing, you look at democratic countries, the UK, Canada, stuff like that. That's pretty much considered the new frontier, the new West. So I'm not just saying a post-United States of America world. Well, thanks for clearing that up, Dave. What the fuck are you talking about? Jesus Christ. and and the dichotomy it's not a dichotomy you are not you don't have a military presence in one country and and are bombing people and then those same people want to come and live in your country and it's it, it, it's it's quite rare that happens that you bomb people and they and they go hey I'm loving this bombing I think we're going to go and live there <laughs> but um and also Megadeth, actually this is on my this is on my PC I found this today um so Anybody up for some? Uh, anybody up for some Megadeth beer? A lemon Belgian styled Saison Hill made in Quebec, Canada, and coming soon to a location near you. So there you go, officially approved Megadeth beer from the alcoholic Dave Mustaine. Not my words. Dave's words I think you'll find. I was forced to go to AA and I hated it, but I had come to a point where I knew that the jig was up. The thing was, God had ended my life and sent me to AA. Really? Uh, Then after I got sober at AA, he sent me back to him. Now I have this real simple, easy Dave and the big guy relationship. There's no middleman, no funky stuff, no having to pay dues or membership or anything, and I don't push my beliefs on anyone. It's about attraction, not promotion. I just love that Dave and the big guy. You just I so get the feeling that Dave thinks God is being interviewed somewhere giving the same interview going, "Yeah, me and Dave, we got a we got a pretty cool relationship, you know. He came back to me, which is I'm I'm really pleased about that. It's so it's made my day." <laughs> So I mean, there's just there's so much to go out there. I don't know where to start, and I, and and I'm not I'm not going to, because it is time to um it is time to wind the uh the, the podcast up. Otherwise, it'll be such a massive file. I won't be able to convert it. But anyway, guys, look, I just wanted to say thank you very much. Thanks for listening, as always. Um, I love doing the podcast. You know, I do because I tell you that all the time. But um, no, I I really do. It's it's an absolute honor. Um, I love it i love it i love doing it and um you know it, it's wherever you're listening thank you very much thanks for taking the time out really do appreciate it um any of you out there who you know want to get in touch you can get me um howard at all which is neat which is the email or or tweet or whatever and 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 lastly but not leastly thank you very much to craig and all about the rock for for continuing to host this podcast i really fucking appreciate it i really do um so we are really yeah we really are winding down now um and it comes to that point um of the podcast where i like to finish on a song Ta-da! as they always finish on a song whatever you do finish on a song so um uh, this uh, finishing on a song by devil driver from the new album trust no one and this is the track my night sky see you next month <laughs>